Yeah, I had a print shop for about 12 years. We, we made a lot of money, a lot of noise, but uh, they went out of business in 2020. It kind of turned on me. They wanted me, they had all my designs on a database. It was like a terabyte of designs. And they wanted me to pay, like, I don't know how much it was. And I was like, fuck no, I'm not doing this. <laughs> so I had pretty much had to start from scratch, which is fine. I ain't got no issue with it because my, my designs were super complex for a lot of years. Not very simple. Um, so I kind of took the time to simplest, you know, the, the logo you see that was on that cup. I'll tell you, man, that took... I started in 2008. I didn't come up with that particular logo until man, maybe 2017 or something like that. So it took a long time to figure out. I have about four or five different variations of the logo, but um, it just took a lot of time to try to figure out um, how to create something that you could see from a distance. That was a challenge that was given to me. It's like 2010, create a logo that you could see from a distance of what it is. And uh, it just took a long time to try to figure that out. But I finally came up with that last one. And I'm like, okay, this is the money. This is the money shot right here. So <laughs> Yeah, like a buddy of mine, he uh, he shared your content. And I started seeing his post. And I was like, who is this guy that he's sharing? And I, I love skulls. And that, that was another thing that really attracted to me to your post. And then, um, so I started just following your page and that's your page and daily stoic are two things. I look at every fucking morning just to see what's mm. going on. And then like, I'll show your post and everybody's like, man, I love the post, but why does this guy say fucking? I'm like, who cares, <laughs> man? It's like, it's the message. It's You're the missing the whole point, man. Well, yeah. you know, the funny thing is I, I'm like the pinnacle for censorship, right? So especially on Instagram, because I started it early. I started talking like this in 2015, I believe, maybe 14. Yeah, 2000, about 2014. And you could see the popularity just up and down, up and down. And, you know, I get they, they talk about shadow bands and all kinds of stuff. I'm sure I've got every band there is. They just haven't shut me out, which is good. Yeah. They took my coffee. I had a coffee uh, account. It was called Africa Brutality again, but the brew was B R E W. Um, and I was doing coffee for a minute and I had gotten it from nothing to about, I think I had about 10,000 followers. We were doing a lot of money in terms of coffee. Uh, it was private labeling coffee from some local roasters. And because of the fact I just I went with the drug thing, right? You know, caffeine is a drug. So everything I had on there was like drug reference to <laughs> black cocaine. So the first one was black cocaine. And then I had Nino Brown from like uh, Jack City. You know, yeah. kind of thing. And then I had Angel Dust, had Red Devil. I mean, it was, it was I listened. I packaged it perfectly. There was no label on the thing. It was just black, it was black, white, red, blue, you know, just simple. Yeah. And uh, Instagram shut it down. Because the funny thing is, I was getting orders from like DEA offices and different <laughs> law enforcement offices. I didn't know they were trying to find out. Once Instagram shut that down, I tried again with that with cold brutality. I was going to go into like cold brew, put it in a can. But then, you know, COVID hit and pandemics and stuff like that. And it just got harder to try to figure out, you know, distributors. We're going to do vending machines and all this in all the gyms in the city. And, you know, it just got funny. Yeah. It, you know, I'm at the point now where people could, they could say no to me. <laughs> they could say, nah, we good. Nah, I don't want to deal with you. You know what I mean? So uh, it's, it's, it's funny to try to kind of circumvent that and navigate through that where people could, 
Sid literally be like, nah, we're good. You know, uh, you got too much with you. You got too much controversy, whatever the case is. They don't necessarily say that. They just stop talking to me. They just fine. Yeah, but that's what people want. Like, oh, man, you know, that's the guy that had that. Oh, shit, let's go look at his page. And then they go to another page of yours and, you know, boom, boom, sales are all over. You would listen. You would think that. You really? You would think that. I think people got scared. You know, I had a Puma deal that I canceled. And I think people got scared that I could turn down that much money. Yeah. What happened like, with that? Yeah. Well, you know, it was sort of a mess from the beginning. You know, um, it was during COVID. You know, they sent me something, uh, you know, to get me all enthused into it. And I was in it, but I don't know, man. It was it was a new relationship, you know, and they didn't really know me that well. We're still strangers. Everyone's doing Zoom calls, Zoom call. No one's really meeting face to face. You know, I couldn't get many or any of the Puma representatives to come any of the, the events I was doing with the NYPD. But, you know, it. I, I have a certain way of doing business, you know, and I, I put a lot of money, energy, effort into advertising, slogan writing and stuff like that. And they were just they weren't necessarily matching me with that. You know what I mean? So the first shoot that we were supposed to do, which was the shirt that came out, you know, was going to do it right. The Apollo right on the roof of the Apollo. You know, I had a band all set. It was going to be, it was, listen, it was going to take over a lot of things. <laughs> things are going to change. Yeah. And I just couldn't get the support. You know, I really couldn't get the support. And then on the other side, it was like, because I had a Pumi deal, everyone wanted to double charge me for everything. Mm. You know, I hired actors that had been doing commercials and stuff with me for years. And all of a sudden they got their hand out, wanting money for this money for that. I was like, what? And I had worked with the Apollo before and they sent me a nice price. But then they asked me, well, so what are you doing this? Who are you doing this for? I said, Puma, it capped on an extra 40,000. I was just like, Jesus Christ. Like it was, it was kind of those situations that you would hear before, like people that would get their first recording contracts, right. And still be selling drugs or, or still, you know, taking the bus or something. It was sort of along those lines. They really didn't pay me enough. And I, I, I kind of trusted people. I didn't really push back. I just kind of went with it because I'm, I didn't want to argue over money. Mm-hmm. That's why I would kept telling them, make sure I got the resources that I need, you know, put me in front of bloggers. You know, there was only one sneaker shop in Harlem, which is Atmos and around 125th street. So I was like, put me in Atmos. Oh, we got to do this. We got to do that. And it's, it was a mess, you know, and, and Probably because of the fact of COVID and, and, you know, pandemics and all that. Maybe I'll, I'll just put it on that. You know what I mean? But when they canceled my re- my sneaker release, not necessarily canceled, but they pushed back my sneaker release from Juneteenth of 2021. And they want to go into September 11th because I had a I got a good September 11th story. So I, I don't know. It just it just wasn't the way that I wanted it to be, you know, and I, I put too much money into trying to promote their stuff. I was just like, wait a minute, you know, that this is really yours. Yeah. You know? Like, why am I putting so much money and helping you advertise your stuff? I mean, yeah, my name is on it, but at the end of the day, this is your shirt or your sneakers or whatever the case is. So it, I should have just negotiated a lot stronger uh, in the beginning with the contracts and I really didn't. And I didn't, you know, once they took away the Juneteenth piece, I was just like, wow. I, I, because the funny thing about Puma is that, you know, the core competency is the sneakers. It's not the shirts, it's not the socks, it's nothing else. So 
they put almost no money into the shirt and they weren't going to put, they gave me two more shirts that were supposed to come out on Juneteenth, but not much money was going to go into it because they had to delay the sneaker uh, release. So they were going to put all this stuff behind September 11th when I really wanted to celebrate Juneteenth because that year it became a, a federal holiday. Yeah. So it was just, you know, it was, uh, you know, Venus, you know, Venus meets Mars kind of thing. We just weren't talking on the same level. We didn't have the same goals. You know, uh, mine has always been to just <laughs> uh, motivate and have people like, regardless of their background, regardless of how they're feeling, that they can achieve what they want. They can do what they want. You know, if they put their mind to it, they focus and they think about other people other than themselves and they try to figure out a way to celebrate that every day. You know, you, you could be what you want. You could do what you want. You know, I've done a lot of things and I've set a lot of trends, you know, and I, I never necessarily cashed in on them. But uh, I like the fact that I can I can go home, I can sleep at night, I can look in the mirror and know I've done a lot uh, for myself and for others. And I've done it with exactly the way I wanted to. So, so where did your, where'd your journey begin? Say again? Where did your journey begin? Because you were into gyms in the beginning, correct? Well, that's a great question. I mean, it depends on what kind of journey we're talking about. We're talking about my self-discovery. We're talking about like a business Let's just do all the above if if we can. <laughs> Let's pick one. Uh, I'll tell you. Self-discovery. Uh, very early on, you know, my mother was very institute. She she was part of the civil rights movement. So a little pieces of it. So she instilled that into me very young, very young. Three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. You know, those years of age. You know, I was listening to motivational speaking and subliminal thoughts and, and positivity and all that. Very young. Um, so I tried to figure out how to, what am I going to do with all this information in terms of self, you know, uh, civil rights and, and self-motivation and all that. So I kind of just drifted into that path that takes you into corporate America and, and trying to be that cog in the wheel that's going to make a difference. Um, I was doing tech for the most part, but a lot of that self-discovery happened as things started to fall apart. You know, as I started to get those better jobs, you know, I'm on Park Avenue and, and I got drivers and, and expense accounts and Amexes and all this, you know, when they sat me down and laid us all off during the, you know, the internet bubble, I started to think, man, I got to be a lot more self-made, you know, I can't rely on the corporate structure. And this was like 2000, 2000, maybe 2001, 2002. So I realized that if I'm going to be a person of my destiny, if I'm going to figure out what that is, I've got to figure out where am I going with all this? You know what I mean? So being a cog in the wheel in terms of corporate America, or even some of the other smaller IPOs that I work for, you know, you're still a cog in the wheel. You're still a piece of someone else's plan. You're still a piece of someone else's dream. So I, once the, <laughs> they laid me off at the biggest job I had, I said, you know what? I better figure this out on my own. So I put a desk in my, my room, a corner office desk, and I put all the stuff I wanted on that desk. And then just piece by piece, I started to try to figure out, well, who am I? Am, who am I? Where am I going with this? What do I want to do? What are the things I wanted to achieve? And by the end of that internet bubble and layoff piece, you know, I was severely overweight because I didn't necessarily care about my weight. I was like, you know, I'll make it to the gym one day. It's all good. 
But in that, you know, looking at myself and trying to figure out how to be more healthier, yeah, I, I got into the gym. And by going into the gym the way that I did, you know, I went in there to try to discover my abilities, you know, my physical abilities. Can I can I match them with my mental capabilities? You know what I mean? So and being in there with a bunch of other men, you know, we kind of had a team of seven. We all just kind of meet up, mostly about five at a time. <laughs> Sometimes they came out of two of us, but having that team, that piece where you went in there and kind of worked as structure as a team, you know, and you just kind of followed each other. Oh, okay, do this, do this, you know, oh, I can't do that. Well, do this so that you can do that. It was mental preparation to then have a physical, a physicality to it. But for the most part, once I got on out of corporate America and into the stream of, you know, how am I going to make myself healthy? What is healthy? You know, what should I eat versus what I am eating? How did I get this weight? You know, uh, once I got in there, I really realized that I was kind of going backwards to things that I had grown up with, you know, health foods and eating healthier and exercising. I used to exercise with my mother. Every night we'd be in the basement, we'd do sit-ups. You know, I don't think we did push-ups, sit-ups, like jumping jacks, running in place, that sort of thing. And I just kind of referred to those things when I thought about being healthy or being trying to match what I knew mentally with what I'm doing physically. So I really found myself by getting rid of all those external things, you know, the job that I went to every day, you know, that they laid me off from, right? <laughs> And then kind of looking at, well, what, how am I going to start from scratch? And how am I going to kind of build a consultant business or something that I can say I can start my own course with? You know, I can do this every day or do this every day or do this every day. But I kept finding myself in the gym more and more because then it went from losing the weight, understanding how to eat healthy, understanding how to be healthier, what is healthy. So people asking me, hey, damn, what the hell did you do? You know, because I mm. at the first time I did that, I lost about 120 pounds. Oh, damn. And that was, you know, muscle and, and fat, mainly fat. I was about, I think my fat percentage was about 56% or something ridiculous. It was terrible. Um, but in that journey, I realized who I was as an individual. What do I do? What do I like to do? What do I like to eat? What do, who do I like to hang out with? And that, you know, kind of circled around the gym because people just kept requesting me to help them with their weight loss journey or whatever the case may be. So it did start there. And then from there, I just kind of went back to a lot of the civil rights bringings that my mother gave me that I, I which is kind of just in a, a part of my brain I didn't know how to use, you know what I mean? Because uh, uh, you would see it, you know, during Halloween, I would dress up as Malcolm X or something like that or, or have different places that I would go to in Harlem where we would talk about civil rights. So we talk about community structures and things like that, but being able to chart my own path and create my own movement, which I did, it took that time. And I just went back to the things that I understood as a child and things that I had referred to as a child and then incorporated them as much as possible in what I wanted to do going forward. So that's what brings us here. Damn, man. You know, it's weird though. Like, it's funny that we try to take care of like our financial. Sometimes we neglect our bodies. Like we get all this shit and then it's like, oh, wait, I, I neglected the thing that afforded me to do all this stuff. Right. I'll tell you when, when I don't know how other people are, you know, when my money's low, I, you know, I, I eat less. Right. And mm -hmm. I figure out exactly what fuel 
I need so that I can get through whatever it is I'm doing, whether it's a workout or energy levels or things like that. But it's the most important thing we could possibly do. And it's the thing that I really did not think about, you know, when I was making the, you know, the corporate money or whatever the case is, I, I never thought about my health. I was like, eh, you know, eh, that's just what happens when you get older, you get bigger. Or whatever. <laughs> yeah. I didn't really I didn't blame the sweet potato pies and all the uh, McDonald's and all. I didn't blame all that. You know, I, I really blamed, uh, Kind of the fact that I was just getting older. Yeah. You know what I mean, and had a kid or two, you know what I'm saying? So when I, in retrospect, it was like, man, I, I was literally killing myself with what I was eating and I, I just didn't realize it. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So it was a re education and I just had to go back to what I knew. And that's pretty much how I was raised. And from there, when things get funny with me, whether it's money or situation, I just really look at what I'm eating and how I'm eating. And now that's going to respond to the world or how I'm going to respond to the world based on what I'm eating every day. So it's super important and easy. It's yeah. super easy. <laughs> Listen, man, you know, I, I've been doing this physical fitness piece, right, for about 15 years. And I, I pretty much started off teaching kids, you know, teaching people in my building, like elders, and then they bring me their kids. So I started teaching kids, you know, in Harlem and South Bronx, um, in Brooklyn as well. And I'll tell you, man, it's just such a journey to be able to, you know, go so far as I did and then go backwards and start helping people, you know, from a young age or from a teenage or whatever the case may be, because, you know, we kind of get to the point where we make a certain amount of money, we do a certain amount of things in our community, and we just do that. And we're good with it. Mm -hmm. You know, like there's nothing more else to do. Let's continue with this, you know, and, and we don't necessarily go back and kind of revitalize what we're doing and taking a look at it and trying to figure out a way to make it better every month or every day, not every year, but every month, every day. That's why I don't think about like New Year's and all these other things. I mean, I do because it's pushed on us, but every day is a new year for me. Like, yeah. Okay, tomorrow, let's go. Tomorrow, let's go. Tomorrow, let's go. Today, let's go. Like. It's not I'm waiting for next year so I can get busy. No, I'm waiting for nothing. <laughs> I'm doing it right now. And if I'm not doing it right now, I have the patience to wait until it's time to, you know, move forward with that particular initiative, no matter what it is. So how did you start your page? Um, That's a great question. I mean, when I got into the physical fitness piece, you know, I was attached to a genre they call uh, CrossFit. So I had like a... CrossFit Harlem, uh, Page, and then Afro Brutality. They always kind of were synonymous with one another. And then I just kind of just stopped it and said, you know what? I'm just going to have one page. I'm not going to deal with the CrossFit Harlem stuff. I'm going to deal with this particular page. And that was Afro Brutality. And I started that page, I think, in 2011. And it, at the time, it was about physical fitness. I put a lot of fitness stuff in there. I put a lot of thoughts or some thoughts or pictures of someone doing this or videos of people doing this and doing that. Um, but right around 2015, when I closed my gym, I was like, okay, you know, I, I would say this to myself, oh, I'm going to stop, you know, coaching people locally so I can coach people internationally, right? So I put a lot of initiative into that particular page and I've grown it from a while. And then every year I used to delete the entire page and start again. <laughs> I did it like three or four. I think I actually did it last year as well, but uh, I did it like three or four. I would do it almost every year just so that you, you knew you knew. If you're part of it, you're part of it. You're mm. not, 
Well, goodbye. Well, here's day one again. You yeah. know what I mean? And people would get mad. Oh, what was that post? <laughs> yeah, three months ago. <laughs> nah, man, we fresh today, baby. We super fresh. But I started in 2011, and then the messaging really came in in 2015 when I'm sitting at home. I had 263 members in my gym, and I was taking care of them, you know, like a fucking babysitter. You know, babysit these people. I knew everything about them, you know, who they're with, who they're dating, who they're married, and all that. And then I'm sitting at home, uh, literally trying to figure out what's, what I'm going to do next. So I just created that messaging from watching other people and their messaging. And I was like, you know, I want something a little more tangible. I want something a little bit more in your face. I want some more like, you know, who I am as an individual. I want to see if I can figure out a way to bring out who I am as an individual uh, on these pages. So that's what I do now. Yeah, like I said, I, I, it's something I look forward to every day, man. It's just so it's just so inspiring. Appreciate what do you it. think? Um, what do you think about, you know, when they give kids like participation trophies? Well, you were talking about kids earlier, so that's why I brought it up. Yeah, yeah, I'm not with any of that. Yeah. I'm, I'm on some sweat equity. You better earn this. You know what I mean? And, you know, it's it's you want people to be a part of it and praising it as much as possible. But you definitely want to say, you know, this person put in that work. That's how they got the results, not because they showed up. I mean, I, I kind of I do what I can to be as positive when people say stuff like that, you know, oh, showing up, you know, participation, uh, you know, we woke up today. <laughs> I'm like, fuck that. If I'm not if something has not been achieved, it's not necessarily a bad day, but I'm not like, oh, I woke up. No, I'm like, OK, I woke up now. I'm still alive. Let's go. What are we doing now? Let's go do this. Let's go do that. Let's go do that. You know, I'm, I'm not necessarily sedative like, oh, I woke up. Oh, day's done. I woke up. Everything's no, you know, grand rising and all that. That's not me. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm still trying to get this done. Yeah, they say that like it's it's messing the kids up even more than not letting them be, you know, they can be part of the team. Yeah, sure. But like, if you're not coming to play and put in, like you just said, put in the work to, to make the team better, then you just should be left behind. So yeah. what, it's, what it's doing is it's like giving them the faults, like, oh, they're just as good as the top, top earner at a company or the top player on the team or whatever, which right. is not true at all. And if they take that mindset into later life, then, you know, that uh, I think Gary V said it, or maybe it was maybe it was Grant Cardone, like something like, um, then you have that kid that's still living in his parents' basement at 40 year, or 35 years old. Yeah. You know, it, it's just, I think, you know, that's one piece of it, but it's, it's, for me, it's much deeper, you know, like there's four seasons, you know what I mean? In a particular year. So it's, it's raining and then it's snowing and then there's thunder and there's all this. And then you watch people's reaction to rain. You know, oh, it's the worst day ever. It's raining. Like, motherfucker. This is replenishing the planet. Like, <laughs> right? And then snow is just cold rain. Like, what, you know, so it, it's it's really this thing in people's minds, you know, and it, of course, the society and so on and so forth. But like the good days versus your bad days or your good year versus your bad year. The, the concept of good and bad, the concept of negative versus positive. I mean, even an electron, you know, your particular atom has electron, neutron, proton. Right. So there's. There's negativity in everything we have. It's considered part of that energy. So being able to like 
harness that, being able to like contend with that, being able to challenge that is what makes us better. So, I mean, it, yes, the participation, you know, you still have percentages of kids that'll get through that and still become something of what they want to become or, or something better. You know what I mean? But it really starts with this, that mindset every day, you know, it's cold. So it's a bad day or it's, you know, I ain't got no money. It's a bad day. Like, you know, it's, it's a challenge day. You're having a challenging day. Now tomorrow will be another challenge or less of a challenging day. So I think it's, you know, it's really the way that we sort of look at things and the way that we kind of gravitate to what's more like, oh, this is the worst. Oh, you know, misery loves company, those types of things. You know what I mean? But I do see what you're saying. But for the most part, it really starts with just looking at the difference between good and bad, looking at the difference between positive and negative and how you're going to interact with that. You know, I, I tell people, this is your origin story. You're having a shitty day. I mean, look at Batman. This guy lost his parents. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> he still became everything. Of course, he had money, but you know, <laughs> yeah. he got daredevil. There's a lot of, of these things that these kids watch, but they're missing the point. They're missing the point. You know, through negativity, through struggle, you're going to find the best of who you are, the best of what you can be. And if you try to minus that, then, you know, again, you're going to be in the basement at 40 years old in your mom's house. Yeah, you got to have good and bad because, like, without that, if it's all good, you're it's just going to be bland. Yep. You need some type of There's contrast. No There's no challenge. Where's yeah. the challenge? I know he mentioned Gary V. I love Gary V, but I remember your fuck Gary V post. <laughs> yeah, fuck Gary V. <laughs> I mean, uh, I'll tell you, I, I, you know, I've been around rappers and so on and so forth. This Styles P, which I love to death, right? So I watched one of his uh, Funk Master Flex interviews, and he basically said he woke up one day and he's like, you know what? I'm like a real thug. I'm a real gangster. <laughs> these guys are playing. So he was just walking with that mentality when he saw these people like, you're fake, I'm real. Mm-hmm. So like when the people, and in the beginning when I started all the messaging, oh, you, that sounds like Gary V, Gary V, Gary. I was like, no, this is <laughs> me. Fuck Gary V. I don't know this guy. I've seen some interviews. Eh, he's dropping little tiddly winks of what's real i get it you mm-hmm. know but don't compare me to that guy until i meet that guy and look at him and tell you whether you know he's legit or not don't don't put me in there yeah one of my friends sent me a video of his from a garage sale he went to and i'm like so he's like dude look at what he did let's go do this i'm like bro we can go out and find try to find stuff but do you think the people at these at this having the garage sale don't know the value of their shit like this is a <laughs> rare rare find that he got all those baseball cards like it was a big box of like maybe I think it was two thousand cards and the guy sold it to him for like fifty bucks or something like that, and um, and so like when he was looking at this flipping through the cards, he found like you know a couple of cards that already got his money back out of all the cards. Like five cards later, he got all his money back. I'm like, bro, that's like super fucking rare that the person didn't take the time to go through the box. Yes and no, but yes and no, yeah. but yes and no. I mean, I, there was some things that he said that I'm good with, but you know the. The point of trying to compare me to anyone uh, just pisses me off. <laughs> let alone this guy. I don't know this guy, yeah. right? And he's nothing close to me. He probably, if he met me, he probably start stuttering or whatever the case is. You know, <laughs> not because I'm that guy, but because you know the presence is real. Yeah, I think like the there are people that do not know their worth of their stuff. So that is probably true that you can find some gems at uh, you know a thing. And then like it's there's always a resale. Like look at Goodwill. 
I mean, they're taking people's stuff yeah, that you get for free and make yep. a profit off it. Yep. So there is surprised. some truth to that, which you can tell. Like one man's junk is another man's treasure. Absolutely. And most people don't take the time to figure that stuff out anyways. Yeah. You know, they put it in the basement, they put it in the attic, they put it this, they put it there, or that was their sons, or that was their mothers, or their brothers. They inherited it. Oh, oh I don't know what to do with this box. I'm going to do with this box, you know? So they just kind of get rid of it. But yeah, I, I mean, again, you know, I salute what he does, but don't compare me. <laughs> yeah, somebody found uh, one of Drake's original songs on like in a trash can, like, a, like one of these lyrics. And they sold it for twenty five thousand. Jesus. Yeah. That's a lucky <laughs> son of a bitch right there, man. Yeah, for real. They were cleaning something yeah. out somewhere. I can't remember where it was. I think it was maybe here in Memphis. And um they and like it was crazy. They he found it and he's like, Oh shit, what is this? And then boom, he sold it on eBay or something like that for twenty five grand. I was like, fuck, man. I had pre- you know, I got into reselling before I got the Puma deal, and that's a funny thing. And before I got the Puma deal, I actually studied, you know, sneaker culture like crazy, like crazy. YouTube, I have my son, he'd take me to Soho every day, damn near. We go to all the stores. So I looked at everything and I, I I was totally prepared for a sneaker contract, except for the actual contract. It's <laughs> like, and then I asked people, like, is this a good contract? You know, like. Most people didn't know because most people around me never had one before. So it was different. But, you know, I really studied that. dude. Like, I really studied. And when my son got me into the resale piece. Uh, I put something on Facebook. I was like, you know, send me your old sneakers or whatever. So a good friend of mine, uh, Octavius out of Philly, uh, a little bit out uh, Pottsville or something like that. Anyways, he sent me a pair that he had gotten like Japan or something. These things were 10 grand because they were Pharrell's friends and family sneaker or whatever. And I'll tell you, I I did everything I could to get the 10 grand, but they were so rare. Most people didn't were like, I'm not even going to touch that, you know, or I, I don't have the money for that or whatever the case is. I'll tell you. Soon as Pharrell released another pair of sneakers, that went from ten grand to three grand, just like that. Oh, just shit. like that, <clears throat> just like that. And I was able to get rid of them for three grand, but I was never able to get the ten grand. So it's it's sort of that, you know, whoever's willing to pay this, you know what I mean? Uh, whoever's willing to pay this for that, you know, that's sort of a kind of a piece in there as well. They can see the nostalgia in it. They can see the vintage in it. They'll pay for it. Now, even though the deal dropped, isn't it still validation that a company like that appreciated your worth? No doubt. No doubt. And the funny thing was they were really pitching me. They were really pitching me. So I didn't, you know, the funny thing was because I had, I was trying to get into um, the Fashion Institute of Technology in the their foundation piece because i wanted to show them that you could teach kids how to create a streetwear brand right from their phone Mm. right and i was going to create this thing with them so in doing all that i realized i was like damn man this is the questions that were coming from me from some of the kids because i did one like online webinar or something like that with one of them or one of their outliers um for fit and they were asking me questions like, you know, what what was the proposal you used to get this contract? You know, who did you call? I was like, 
I gold no one. <laughs> I, didn't have, I didn't have a pitch deck. You know, I didn't, I didn't. They called me. You know what I mean? They called me. They pitched me. And I still have the pitch deck that they sent me when they were pitching me. Wow. And I was like, that's, you know, that's, that's a testament to a lot of different things. You know, I put in the work. I did the work. You know what I mean? And I do the work. And I'm patient. Yeah. And that's the thing. To come that far, because I, I did have a Reebok deal in like 2014. Uh, it was just apparel. Um, problem was <laughs> they were paying me too much <laughs> and someone found out. So they canceled it. I was like, whatever. Um, I was getting like 5% of the profit, which is unheard of. So some executive VP was like, what are we doing? What are we saying? And we're putting, the word, we're putting the word fuck on shirts. They were like, what are we doing here? They have a <laughs> So what they did, fucking smart as shit. They, they they kept using, they kept putting the word "fuck" on shirts. They just censored the shit. I was uh, like, nice. So they, that's how they got around it. But the second go around, you know, I thought I'd learned so much the first go around, but I did not. There was a few things that I missed out on, and that's that's just negotiating the right contract with those types of companies. But um, you know, the next one will be much bigger, much bigger, and is this will be like you know. <laughs> Uh, much bigger. It'll have everything that I want a part of it. So um, it was just a learning curve for the most part. Yeah. That, like I said, that's just a testament to your content though. Like somebody saw your content and thought it was good enough to put on their brand. Absolutely. Absolutely. There's just a lot of layers to it. You know, I've built a lot into the brand where there's a lot of layers to it. There's messaging to it. There's visual, you know, there's visuals to it. I did a bunch of commercials right in the streets of all of them. You know what I mean? Like, so they can understand where the connectivity is. They can understand where I'm going with that. So it's almost like I kind of kanye myself a little bit, or I canceled everything so I could try to go and do it out on my own. And I'm still kind of in that ether where I'm still trying to figure out how to do it on my own without your your big corporate this one or that one and try to just do it from the streets where I started. Yeah. Yeah. Like one day I went to a buddy of mine's house and he's got like a home gym set up. And then he's like, I didn't know he did music. His name is Adam. I know he's probably going to listen to this, but he's like, hey, come look at my music room. And I'm like, okay. And he points at his wall, and it's one of your things that he printed out, and it's on his fucking wall now. I can't remember which one it is, but he, because, like, he wow. loves the post that I make, you know, from your stuff. And, like I said, it's just, you never know who's listening or watching your stuff. You never know. You never know. And all it takes is one person, know. man, to pop off. Yep. You could have one follower, and it could be the person that runs Twitter or fucking whatever. Yep. <laughs> yep. And that's the funny thing. That's where patience comes into play because you just keep doing your thing. I just keep doing my thing, put out as much content as possibly can, as crystal, as as pure as it possibly can, because this is how I really feel. And this is the things I really think and things I really say, you know what I mean? So, but yeah, you've got to be patient, put your stuff out there as much as possible and don't try to copy anything or anybody be as original as you possibly can. Even now with, you know, everything's a copy of something else, right? Mm-hmm. But do everything you can to try to be as original as possible. Um, and yeah, that person will call or those people will call. You'd be so surprised, man. I'm I'm surprised every day. I keep looking like at the you know, some of my major followers. I'm like, does this guy still follow me? Oh, I used to take it for granted, you know, and now it's like, oh, I always say, I appreciate you. Thank you. Whatever. Cause you just never know, man. Those types of people can be gone in a split second. 
Yeah, somebody come up to me the other day when I was out. Well, this is like two weeks ago. They were like, how come y'all don't do this, 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 and this, and this on the podcast? I'm like, I'm just looking at the person. I was like, man, Tony knows what he's doing, bro. Like, he's taking it from zero to where it's at now. Like, he knows what's up. Like, just fucking chill. And he was like, well, I'm just saying. I was like, and then I go, where the fuck is your podcast? That's a Andrew Tate thing. What color is your Bugatti? I was like, I was like where, you know, you know now, that we, now, that you, now that you've made me mad, I'm just sitting back and chilling with my friends. Uh, like, for man. no fucking reason. I was like, where's, what is your podcast called? What I'll go I'll go download it right now. Yeah, I was like, dude, like fucking chill out, man. Like, it's always you know y'all 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 are great, but you know you need to do like I was like just listening to people that don't have anything to do with the podcast that we have. I was like, bro, like, thank you. We're not changing anything, right? Thank you, appreciate it. Thank you. We're not changing nothing. (laughs) Thank you for the commentary. Yeah. So I'll tell you, man. I've uh, companies have tried to get me to change the name of my company. Friends have tried to get me to change the name. Oh, do this. Don't do that. Like, dude, you just, if you don't understand, that's cool, but we got to keep it pure. You know, if I start switching up, you know, then it, it'll never stop. Right. If I start taking those types of suggestions, do this and do that, it'll never stop. Right. They'll keep suggesting and I'll keep changing, but you got to just stay the path. It's rigid. It's a terrible path. You know, it's crooked. It doesn't go straight. It goes up and down in all kinds of ways. But, you know, figure out who you are in, you know, in your best moment or who you want to be and try to figure out what it's going to take to get you there. Yeah. You know, I'm good at figuring out big goals and just moonwalking backwards and figuring out what can I do every day? What can I do every week? What can I do every month? to get me closer to that goal. And some of it is just exposure. Some of it is just being in the right place at the right time with the right person, you know, or someone, you know, Hey, look at me, you know, like they say the greasy wheel, you know, gets all the oil, you know, if if you're not making any noise, no one's looking for you. And what's good about nowadays is it doesn't really matter what the noise is. It could be positive or negative. You're going to get eyes on you. And then you got to figure out how to disseminate what's good, you know, going forward from that. Now, did you always have this min- this mindset? Um, I have. Do you I think have. that somebody can be taught the same kind of mindset that you have? No. So you think we're I just born what we're born with? Totally. I mean, I can teach it. I have taught it. I do teach it. You know, I used to take private clients, but I'm charging five thousand a month. Mm. You know what I mean? I'm charging them as much as possible because. I know I'm going to tap something in their brain that's going to make them out of here. Yeah. Like they're going to figure out a way to brand that. They're going to figure out a way to like do something with it. And they never they may never talk to me again. So I try yeah. to get as much as I can out of individuals that want to take that journey with me because I'm going to tap something only because I did it to myself. Mm. And I'll tell you the difference between now me now and two years ago and two years ago and two years ago and two years ago is just, I just kind of look at what do I need to change in terms of where I want to be, where I want to go. And I start with goals like, you know, I want to be like, I have MF Doom on, you know what I mean? Like I want to be a legend, you know, not, not just like, Oh, a legend after (laughs) death or whatever the case is. I want to feel it now. And I want to make sure that it's going to last forever forever 
And the funny thing about creating something like I did is, you know, I have a name. I created a word or a name, right? And that is going to be synonymous with something forever. No one has came up with this before. So this is that word, after brutality, is going to be around forever, forever. And it, it could go away for 10 years and then someone's going to dig it back up. And, oh, my God, did you see he did this? He did that. So and I've seen it over and over again. So when you're thinking about how am I going to be a living legend? When I, how am I going to be a living legend? And then how am I going to let what I've done while I'm physically here span forever? It's it's there's a lot to it. And mostly it's impact. And it's not necessarily money. It ain't money. It's impact. You know, people like you that said, or even your friend, oh, in the music room, he's got my shit on the wall. Yeah. Like, that's not small shit. That's not little. That's, it takes a lot for someone to say, you know, because I got people that'll take my quotes or whatever and change the logo and take out the word fuck and all this other stuff. But to keep it pure as is to the point where someone says, I need to put that, I need to look at something he said on my wall so I could feel better about myself or I could be in that moment. And I get those messages all the time. Oh, you got me through this. You got me through that. And I, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> I'm just doing me, right? I'm just thinking to myself and trying to figure out a way to put that messaging out there to help anybody, you know? And then it gets to the point where, you want to help everybody mm -hmm. and you've got to figure out a way to kind of make those adjustments as much as possible. And I really do that by not sticking to one particular code. You know, I'll make a joke one day, next way, day I'm super serious, next day, fuck you. <laughs> day I love everybody. Kiss me. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, that's just who we are as individuals. When you see people that are just like, you know, oh, I, this is who I am. And, you know, I have no layers to me. Then that's bullshit. That's false. Because everyone has layers to themselves. Good day, bad day, like we said before, you know, four seasons in a year, right? So how are you not going to go through four seasons in a year as an individual? You know, where you're super shiny, you're rainy, shit's fucked up, right? Snowy, it's cold out, right? Winds, tunnels. You know, people seem to want that shiny day every day, that sunny day every day. And they don't realize that you're going to get more out of that car not working and having to jump that cable or change those tires than you are with that sunny day every day. You know? So how did you come up with the name? Super simple. It comes from the logo, which is a huge afro on the skull. So I just said afro. And then I, the brutality really came from the working out. Mm. And it was like, oh, man, that shit is brutal. What the fuck? What are we doing? <laughs> hearing it over and over. And I put it together. But I had a list. I got to figure out where that list was. But I had a list of about five, seven to five actual names. I know one was like Afro Apocalypse, right? <laughs> I had a bunch. But this one, when I put it on a shirt and started selling it, people were like, oh, yeah, okay. Give me some more of that. Give me some more of that. So there are times where people's opinion or reviews of your stuff are super helpful. Mm -hmm. And there's times where they're just, they don't have a fucking clue what they're talking about, you know? And that's the difference between someone that's doing a podcast, right? Yeah. Or doing a podcast and someone that's just looking at the podcast with their little, whatever reviews or critiques. I was kind of like, man, you know, I didn't even, I didn't even ask you, <laughs> you know, like I, I, didn't, I didn't ask you, what did you think of the last episode? Like, you know, I didn't even care because like, a lot of times when I'm talking to my, some of our friends, like I'm, I, I'm like, what? 
that was like two years ago, dude. Like, no, right. like, but you know, it doesn't matter. Like, as long as people support us, that's all that matters. Exactly. Maybe, exactly. maybe one person, exactly. five billion people. It doesn't matter. There you go. Yeah, but I have that same mindset as you. Like, I love that yours is like a, a your own name. But that's what I wanted to do. I wanted something that could be when I spelled it or Google it, I couldn't find it. Mm, that's hard. Yeah. So got, I, I had to go deep. That original image, the my first logo, which I don't I don't post it very often, but I will. Um, I saw it as a kid. I was a kid in my room. And I, you know, I, I love skulls, like Ghost Rider, you know what I mean? Like, just give it to me all day, right? So I just saw it, you know, a skull with an afro. I just saw it. And the afro pick, most people don't know that, but because there's no afro pick in the logo that you see now. But the original one was skull, afro, afro pick, and the afro pick had a middle finger instead of a power fist on it. So that's that's me. When you look at when that's me, you know what I mean? Like, that's hardcore a little bit of civil rights a little bit of you know uh black nationalism or whatever you want to see that and then fuck, fuck the world <laughs> you know what i mean like <laughs> all of that piece was right there in that visual aspect and then you know that's when you have to realize that you're being ordained for something greater you're being told to go out and gather the people you're being told to go out and figure out how to unite the people or enlighten them or educate them or motivate them when you're taking pieces from childhood (laughs) mixing it to because i didn't start this until i was like 38 37 38 you know what i mean like most people are thinking I'm washed up. You know what I mean? They're thinking IRA accounts and shit. Like <laughs> I'm trying to build, I'm building a brand from scratch in the street. You know what I mean? So most people kind of, you know, go with that direction. But me, I'm like, oh, oh, once I see something that makes sense, I'm like, okay, here we go. Let's put some resources into, let's put some time into that and figure out how we're going to grow that. But for you, I would say, listen, just sit down and think about one thing I used to do and I still do it now is I go back to childhood songs that I listened to childhood movies. I watched childhood TV shows because you can find all that shit on YouTube and other places. And it just brings you into that old mentality of like when shit was like great, right? All he worried about was, you know, am I going to have to drink the chocolate milk at school? You know <laughs> I got the fresh wears on. Are they, are they going to talk the dozens on me? What's good? You know, your mama jokes had to be clean. You know what I mean? Like, you know, I go back to that mentality as much as possible because that's where everything was so fresh and new and we're learning everything. And I, I do everything I can to go back there and just remember those things to pick up bits and pieces. You'd be surprised, man. You'd be surprised. I've actually, I did this a few years ago where I thought about all the movies that scared the shit out of me, right? You know, mm-hmm. growing up. I went back and watched them again. And they were <laughs> trash. <laughs> like, really this shit is trash. Like, what are we talking about? And it'll clean out shit in your mind. It'll yeah. clean shit out in your mind. That fear, you know, that, yeah, oh, you were so scared and now it's not there. So now you get to take a piece of fear from your mind and, and dump that shit and, and delete it. And I just kept doing that and doing that and doing that and doing that and thinking about the times where shit was great. Yeah. You know, I looked at looked at pictures when shit was good, looked at this when shit was good, called girls, you know, the, the beautiful ones. You know, <laughs> the beautiful. You know like, because that's all real. That's yeah. all real. 
And if you can figure out a way to kind of disseminate some of that fear in your mind and figure out a way to educate yourself and motivate yourself and keep on that level, that'll be just natural for you. Mm. And that's the thing. It became natural for me to just be this guy, you know, and I do everything I can to just be greater and greater and greater and just have more impact on anyone that's listening or anyone that's around me because I don't want to waste time with anybody, especially myself. I don't waste my own fucking time. So if, I, if I'm not doing something that's going to help individuals or make them better, or they're not receptive to me as an individual and things to make them better, then uh, later. Mm. Peace. Love you. You know, because <laughs> I got to move on to something that's going to make me who I want to be, which is a living legend. How often do you audit your circle? Every conversation, every text message, every email, I'm looking at the worth. Mm. You know, my time versus their time, my time versus their time, my time versus their time. You know, what are we doing? <laughs> you know what I mean? I sometimes I'm in relationships, I'm I'm damn near the woman. I'm like, so what are we doing? You know, it's been two months. <laughs> you know, you ain't seen me in two, like, you know, like I'm telling you because uh, it's all important. Yeah. And it, it, things can be replaced so easily, things can be changed so easily in uh, the course of no time at all that I'm always auditing every conversation, every text message, every email, because what's the point? No need to hold on to waste, you know, baggage that's not working for you. Always change your circle. And I'll tell you, the circle will change for you. If you're that ignorant or arrogant or you don't want to change or you hate change, the change will happen for you. Yeah. There ain't shit you can do about it. So I like to be ahead of it, ahead of the game, <laughs> make the changes on my own or fix them. You know, oh, let's fix this. Let's fix this. Hey, hey, hey. I've got some relationships that are very important to me and I'm not hearing from them as much as possible. So I'm like, you know what? Maybe I need to go see that guy or maybe I need to go, you know, give that man a hug or whatever the case is, because there's some relationships, no matter how bad they are, that you need. <laughs> and I'll tell you, I hold on to some bad relationships because it just made me stronger, mm. made me stronger. And I didn't care. You know, yeah, the arguments of this, the fights, of da, 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 da. I'll tell you, it made me stronger. If it makes me stronger. I don't care what other people got to say about it. Can you tell us about your buddy behind you? Yeah. So this is my this is my brother here, man. This is Roy. Um, sorry, it's tough. I put I just put that up. I know I thought this was like maybe a military podcast. I'm not sure, but I kind of put that up because uh, this is my guy. This is Roy Hamill, and uh, he followed me on Instagram for years. And I finally met him at this particular event. This is a uh, Veterans Day shoot that they do every year. I don't know if they did it last year or the year before because of COVID and stuff, but they go and test all the weapons that are going into the battlefield that year. All of them, all of them. So we're shooting the biggest of everything. And uh, after years of uh, uh, him following me on Instagram, we met up and we spoke and, uh, you know, we were going to do, we were going to do a podcast together. We had a whole movement that we put together and I put it together and they were all a part of it. And, uh, you know, he took his life on my mother's 70th birthday, which was May 1st, uh, 2020. And I got the first call, you know, the uh, state police officers called me. They couldn't get me. So they left a message and I called back and they were first on scene and they were like saying you know he's, he's out of here you know and uh it was tough man you know i was deep into the military um still am in some ways you know i 
sent stuff to Afghanistan before, you know, shirts and designs and stuff like that. You know, I've worked with Navy SEALs, Special Forces. This is my guy. And he was a uh, Purple Heart, accommodated by Obama. And, uh, you know, I love this guy 100%. So what you see behind me is just one of the memories I have of him, you know, when I met him. And I, I told him, dude, I better not. I better see you again, you motherfucker. And, yeah. You know, I didn't get to see him in the flesh, but he lives with me in my soul, man. I love this guy to death. And uh, it got funny, you know, for a while. I was posting pictures damn near every day because I just missed him. Yeah. You know what I mean? We kind of go through the Black Lives Matter thing. And one thing that people, when they come to my page, they think, oh, this guy is fucking black power. And I mean, that's that's a part of me, but that that ain't all of me. You know what I mean? So. Right? Why are you posting this white guy? Uh, I'm just like, dude, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> this is my guy. So I realized because my page is impactful and people were seeing this that, you know, they were, I was making them fall in love with him <laughs> and they didn't want to. So I said, you know, let me stop doing it. So I just do a lot of personal things uh, for him, with him uh, as much as possible. It's my guy. Yeah, that's, uh, I just, that just bothers me about like how, there's so many men that are dealing with shit. And then I think a lot of people just feel like they can't talk about it or people consider it weak or I think that needs to shift that, that, that needs to change, man. It's not going to change. It's not. I mean, we, we represent the stoic, right? We represent the strong backs. We represent the strongest, right? Or I do, or however you want to see that. Yeah. And, and, you know, you, you, I've got to find someone to be weak with. Like, mm. I can't just walk in weak. You know what I mean? Yeah. I was super vulnerable when I got rid of the Puma contract. I was vulnerable with everyone. I was vulnerable with my mother and I was vulnerable with friends and girlfriends and stuff. And they just didn't want to hear it. <laughs> they stopped talking to me. You know what I mean? They was, they didn't stop answering. They stopped talking and. You know, they just weren't used to that. They were yeah. just used to me in one particular way. And when I needed to switch up so that I could figure out a way to kind of release that energy, you know what I mean? That's when me, when I come up with something that's a struggle, you know, I really hold on to it. You know, I'm like, oh, I'm going to really eat this struggle. I'm really going to fucking eat it, eat it again, shit it, eat it again. Like, I'm really going to fucking bear down on this struggle because. All I know is it's going to make me stronger. It's going to make me better, right? Yeah. I don't run from it. I really take it in, you know? And what you're saying, it's just not going to change. And I think if anything's going to change, it's going to be strong men with strong men talking about weak shit. Like, you can't necessarily go to someone that's weak when you're strong and be weak with them because they're using you for strength. (laughs) So, and it's not fair, but it's just real. You know what I mean? And if you study some of others, you know, Martin Luther King, Malcolm X, where did they go when they were in, had issues? You know, Malcolm X turned his back on the entire nation of Islam. Like, where do, where do you think he went to talk to anyone? You think Betty wanted to hear that shit all the time? No. So, you know, it, it's it's not going to change until we change it. Yeah. Until we say, okay, strong guys, you can come here and be weak strong guys you could talk to me in a weak moment and i let people talk to me in a weak moment i I really do everything i can to appreciate the fact that they brought me in in a weak moment and they they actually understand that i'm here for them and that i'm really going to do everything i can to help them get through this weak moment i appreciate that as much as possible 
the thing I don't is the the suicide thing. It's tough, but you know everything else I can deal with. But it's not going to. It's really not going to change until we as men say, okay, we can talk in these circles, and women do it. Women got sister circles. They got you know breakup parties, <laughs> divorce party. We don't. Yeah, and it's sort of you know when you think about uh, the animal kingdom, right? You know, uh, I mean, Alpha. Uh, the leaders this and that like it's hard to walk into a room with a bunch of strong guys because someone is still going to be the leader right someone's still going to be the alpha and i'll tell you man people hate it when it's me fucking guy again he stopped traffic this guy oh man uh, i love it man because i worked very hard for that well it's kind of like you know when when you have a group of guys and everyone's just busting balls and having a good time. And, you know, everyone is confident in their abilities or whatever. And then one of your friends is having an issue and he wants to talk to his friends, right? Just openly talk to his best friends. And then he probably doesn't because he doesn't want them like, well, what, what's, wrong, what's wrong with this pussy? Like, you know, like that's what he probably thinks they're going to say. say it. That's the say, word. We may yeah. say it. Yeah. The thing like, is, I'll say it to his face. Yeah. yeah but, you know, we may all be thinking it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, none of you know we have our own baggage. We don't necessarily want to take in other people's baggage because mm-hmm. we got our own shit. You know what I'm saying? So we really think about that. Oh, the individual aspect of it, not the collective aspect. That if we all took the time to really bring our shit down and actually help one another, you know, individually or collectively, we'd all grow collectively. We don't look like that. We don't think like that. We think, let me take care of my individuality. You know, oh, you should be good. And then we're doing everything we can to make them good quickly so we can go back to the way we know them. And that happens in relationships more than anything else. A girl, you know, your girl calls you bitching about work or another chick. You know, we're trying to solve this shit. Okay, bitch. Uh, okay, two plus two. If we just take out the manager, and here we go. When they just want to vent, yeah. you know, and that's something that we got to understand as well. But if you're not that individual that can take in that type of energy, turn it around and give it back so that person will feel better, don't try to be something you're not. And that's the problem is we take friends, family, bro, you know, we, we just we put those titles on people that really don't deserve it. You know, they made it them one or two things. They're our drinking buddy, our smoking buddy. They're our fucking... I don't know. Go get chicks together, buddy. They're not the friend that we need in that time, in that moment of time. And that's what make that's what making therapy so it's such a big thing now is because we're so into individualism. We're not thinking the collective. And now we've got to go to someone else that's thinking about not just the individual, but also the collective. And we're paying them with this and that when we really probably just need a hug from our brother or our mother or some shit. Right. We don't need all this extra shit. But because we're not necessarily getting to the center of the issue and really struggling with it and really holding on to it until we can really figure and define what that issue actually is, we're just, oh, I'm having a bad day. Oh, man, go get an umbrella. You know what I mean? Like, we're not, we're trying to get through that so that we can get back to who we know that person to be. And that's really not how it should be. Now, do you think, do you believe in the whole thing where you could just, just like regular check ins with people? Like just be like, hey, man, how are you doing? I'll tell you, if I think about someone in that moment and I'm near my phone, yeah, I'm texting immediately. But in terms of, oh, it's it's Christmas time. Oh, it's New Year's. Let me check in. Yeah, I don't want I don't want to be that guy. I want to be the guy like 
I'd rather text. I love text messages from people who are like, I was just thinking about you checking in. How's things? Boom. Because that seems real. Yeah. Now, it could, be staged, it could be staged, but it seems a little bit more real because that's how I am. If I'm thinking about you, hey, what's going on? What's going on? What's happening? Because I have to, in my mind, I have to believe because I love and I love this person. I think about them. I cherish this person. They may be signaling me some other way. Mm. And now I'm getting I'm getting the chime in like, oh, well, let me talk to them. You know, you got to respect the chime in. You got to respect that. And if you can't, then you got to look at that relationship with you or, or with that individual. But I don't like to do the stage shit. I like to, to be as organic as possible. And I'm actually thinking about this person. Boom. Or it could be Instagram. <laughs> OK, I'll saw some Instagram shit. Boom. Like to me, that's a little bit more real than, oh, hey, you know, it's Christmas time or this or that, you know, happy this, happy that. You know, that's not as real to me. Yeah. Yeah. Because I know this one guy online, he's always talking about he messages his like couple of friends every morning. But like you said, it does seem kind of like a it's just a routine. And they got to understand they're doing that for themselves. Yeah. You know, the person might be nice and say, oh, this is great. Love it. But if it's every day, like, no. That's what makes like social media almost perfect because you can put it out there. A person could say they like it or not like it or follow or not follow because it's like, okay, boom, that's a good place to put out stuff. Now it's going to strangers, possibly friends and family. But for the most part, it's like, this is how I feel. I put it out there. Do you feel like that? Oh, there's a connectivity there when individuals start thinking like that collectively. But for the most part, I don't like to be staged. I yeah. like to be as good as possible. No, I agree with everything you just said. Like I said, it's just, I just, I've had a friend of mine that he took his own life and it's just like, you obviously know there's nothing you could say or do to stop them from what they want to do, you know, but it's still, it still hurts because, you know, you, you miss the person. It it hurts. It hurts in a different way. It's my first suicide. Mm -hmm. Now this, this is my very first, you know what I mean? And this is a guy fucking love this guy, worship this guy. Really, because I think he deserved to be worshipped. I think that the things that he'd done for the country and things he'd done for himself and the way that he didn't fall apart at the time based on what he had gone through. Yeah. man, this guy deserves some time, you know, some worship time. You know what I'm saying? But what you said is fucking great, man. I want to I don't even know. I want to talk to people more about suicide to a certain extent. I don't want to be my platform, but you can't stop him. Yeah, you can't stop them. And I listen. There was a suicide. I think it was a few weeks ago. And I knew, you know, one of my good training buddies knew this guy. And I said, "Let me just tell you straight up. You know, is this your first suicide?" He said, "Yep." I said, "Listen, any shit you could have said or done to keep them from the decision that they made? Mm-hmm. Nothing. Just remember that." And then I said it again. Remember that. There's nothing you could have said or could have done that would have kept them from the decision that they made. Remember that. You know, and I just kept kind of feeding him. And I said, listen, if you need to talk, I'm here. Because I just, you know, a few years went through that. So I understand that. But I think the way that people look at suicide is almost backwards. I mean, it it takes a lot of building blocks to keep someone who's made that decision to kind of reverse that decision. Or they they get something from themselves in their own world that makes them reverse that decision. But that has nothing to do with us individually, maybe collectively, but not definitely not individually. Well, then also, like, you know, uh, they say, like, I think it's one in every 22 minutes a vet kills himself. Crazy, it's, 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 I know, it's, it, it's insane. Yeah. But then they're always yeah. like, well, you know, I was like, we need to take better care of the vets coming back from war. 
where they probably had to kill a bunch of people or get killed so they could come back to their kid, wife, mom, dad. But that just never gets brought up. They're always like, oh, man, that sucked. They died. You know, man. I'm like, no. He didn't get the help that he needed when he came back with fucking trauma. And if you can't, if you don't help the people when they have this trauma, then they have to stop it somehow, right? They have to fix. Yeah. They have to fix their mind, and unfortunately, yeah. that's what they have to do. But yeah. when they when they come back, you know, not 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 everybody comes back with problems, right? It's you know, but it's like a lot of people going to war come back with fucking some kind of issue. Yeah. Whether they discuss it to the psychologist, the army psychologist, or whatever, or not, they have something going on. Yeah. They don't, it's, I don't know. It's, it's such the funny thing is mind work, mental work, you know, they call it shadow work. All it, it's it's such a long journey, right, with long term success. Right. So it's a long term investment that you've got to go back to your childhood and figure out what issues did I grow up with? Right. That now have manifested into my adulthood. And I've got a few, right? <laughs> you know, and I see them. And the funny thing about it is once you see them, then you can see them as they approach. You know what I mean? And then you can kind of up oh, or you can just embrace it. Like, fuck it. You know, yeah. I'm feeling fucked up. I'm going to feel fucked up for a month. Fuck you, the world, right? <laughs> yeah. But, you know, you really got to do that mental work from the beginning until now, not only to make sense of your mind and mentality, but where are you going? And how did these certain things become issues for you or roadblocks for you? So whether it's suicide, whether it's depression, no matter what it is, if they're not looking at it from the origin or figuring out where those origins are coming from, then they're not looking to really get better. They're not really looking to get help. They're really not looking to change anything or that outcome, any of those outcomes. And that's unfortunate because people... I think now more than ever, people want attention, seems to be the biggest thing. They want attention. They want love. And if they're not getting it, they feel like they're missing out on something. They didn't go on vacation during the holidays and missed something because now they're looking at all their friends on Instagram or in this island or whatever. It's at an all-time high when it became visual. When it became visual that I have a better life than you <laughs> and here's why, or here's how, you know, that's when it really kind of rose in terms of depression, in terms of people not being satisfied with themselves and even suicide. And even what you said about vets, I mean, think, man, I, it's, that's the biggest sacrifice you can give. You know what I mean? Is to leave your country to defend, to go to another country to defend the country that you live in. I mean, there's there's no bigger sacrifice, right? Mm-hmm. So how could you not treat those people with some kind of regard when they come back? And then there's different issues and different stories that come up. You know what I mean? There's tons of success stories from guys that were, you know, in the military or went to war. And there's a ton of that that are not. You know what I mean? So it's the haves, have nots. It's the individuals that got past it based on maybe doing that work from then they were, when they were a kid or just realizing, listen, you know, this is what this is how I'm going to feel about this. These are the things I can do to overcome how I feel about this. 
you know, that stuff needs to be done, regardless if you went to war or not, regardless of who you are. You've got to understand how you think, why you think, where you and where that thinking is going to lead you. And you can see it every day. Yeah, self-reflection is not easy, but I think it's necessary. Definitely. I mean, it's not easy, but we're in the mirror at least every day, once yeah. a day, like, yeah. brushing our teeth or combing our hair. Let's have a conversation. Hey, what's going on, man? Yeah, it's like, just brushing your teeth. How do you feel it today? What's good? <laughs> you know, it may seem weird, but you know, we're with ourselves every day, all day, right? If yeah. we're not talking to ourselves and having real conversations with ourselves, then we're not having real conversations with anyone. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> I talk to myself all the time. Like people are like, what? I'm like, no, for real. Like, man, like when I'm so, sometimes when I'm at work, I'm just like, uh, that's just crazy. You're not, <laughs> you're not doing the actual work though. <laughs> but like, you know, it, it's just like, but you know, on another note, like they, so this is really good for like the soldiers and stuff that are coming back that they do have issues that they've opened up and they're now putting more and more money into like, um, cannabis and mushrooms as treatments for um disorders and stuff like that and soldiers so well, that that is becoming more and more on the huge. front end yeah so which is great because you know they started doing it like maybe 15 years ago or something like that but it was like a few people here and there now right. the trials are becoming bigger and bigger and bigger there's still a lot of stigmas with that. There's still a lot of stereotypes with that, regardless of legalization. You know, if you're black, you must smoke weed. You know what I mean? Like, there's a lot of different things that go with that. And, you know, I was very heavy with the cannabis community when I was in uh, New York City, uh, you know, in and around New York City. But, you know, it just gets to the point where, you know, health, wellness, smoke, wellness. Eh, what are we doing? Like, yeah. I don't know. Right. There's a give and take in most things that we deal with. You know, you succeed here, but then you didn't see your kids or, you you know, you succeed here, but, you know, you got rid of your family or whatever the case may be. So there's a give and take in most things. And I think all options should be open to veterans. Every single option to get better should be open to every single veteran on the planet. So what is your uh, 9-11 story? (sighs) So... That, you know, here we go, 2001, right? Um, working for my mother a little bit, um, helping her with sales and closing sales and thinking about different approaches. So she told me, hey, you know, get into system implementation, you know, where you're taking like customer relations management systems or CRMs, right? Like your salesforce.coms and stuff like that, where you're out there with salespeople, they're gathering information on secretaries, decision makers, uh, budget habits, budget pricing, you know, requests for proposals, all that. And you put it into a system so that when you know that person dies or moves on or gets fired, the next person can go right into their position and has all this back data or all this information and back history on that particular company, that particular client, so on and so forth. So I found this thing they call Purchase Pro. It was by Microsoft. And what they were doing at the time, remember this is 2001. So they're using, they're trying to put computers into retail places so that you've got all the inventory right there on your cash register, right? You've got, uh, oh, I need to send this to so-and-so. I need to send this to so-and-so right there. It was IBM. And they were having a launch party. I'm saying that. It's probably not a launch party, but I'm trying to remember exactly what it's said on that thing but they were having a meeting right there in the marriott 
the World Trade Center Marriott. And it was there, uh, I think it started about nine o'clock in the morning and went through the day. Um, it was my son's second day at school. He had a bus. So all I had to do was dress this fool, get him downstairs, and I'm good for the day, right? I gotta I gotta drive. You know, at the time we were living in the Bronx. So I had to drive him to the daycare, then figure out parking right near the daycare, run him to the fucking subway, you know, and it's in the Bronx. So it and we were upper Bronx. So we were like co-op city, way up there. So we're damn near hitting Mount Vernon. And the border from Mount Vernon is almost right there. So you know, um, I didn't have to do that anymore, right? You a nice little p- private school bus. Yes, baby. Hello. First day, all good. Dressed him up Ooh, on the bus. Now my day is mine. See you later. Take care. Then they'll bring him back. Yes, <laughs> I got to drive. I got to park. I ain't none of that. So didn't set the alarm. Missed the damn bus. So we're rushing. I'm rushing to get dressed, getting him dressed. So... Got him dressed, got him in the car, dropped him off, came back, was able to get the same parking space, thank God, because um, you got the alternate side parking in New York City. It's crazy. They get you all the time. Uh, so I get back. I'm upstairs. I'm finishing getting dressed. I put on the TV, you know, just watching the news or whatever. And one, I don't know which world trade it was. It was already smoking. One was already smoking. I was like, oh. My first thought was, what Cessna plane hit the fucking World Trade Center? What fucking news helicopter seven hit the shit? And uh, I was on the phone with my brother in uh, Colorado. And while we're on the phone, the second one hit. I was like, this is this is pre-planned. <laughs> this is not this is not coincidental. This is pre-planned. There was some preparation with this, and you know, the whole time I'm just on the phone talking to him, and we're watching this. And then it hit me. I don't know when it hit me. I think it hit me a few hours later. I was like, fuck, dude, I was supposed to be there. <laughs> so the way that they had the Marriott, it was at the bottom of one of the World Trades. But it's right there in the center of all of them. And it's right at the bottom. So I would have been right there, 830 in the morning, right in there. No telling what could happen, right? Yeah. You Because know, as New Yorkers, when we hear shit, we just... Whatever, you know, gunshots. <laughs> Maybe we might duck. We might, we might go down another block, you know what I'm saying? But, you know, we're used to so much commotion that, you know, something would have hit. We, we probably would have went outside. Oh, what the fuck just happened? You know what I mean? And then the debris fall in and all this other shit. So, you know, it was my mercy that I wasn't there at all. So yeah. I was up in the Bronx. I wasn't there at all. But uh, that's pretty much my story. And I, again, you know, I can only theorize what could have happened when I was there. Yeah. You know, I can only theorize, but I was taken from all that madness. You know, I'm up Bronx. And the funny thing about that was you could smell the, the buildings burning for weeks. Wow. Weeks, 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 you could smell that burning. And the other thing was they actually had got jury duty <laughs> during 9 11. Like it was like two weeks after the planes hit. I'm getting this jury duty shit. So we went down and I'm, I'm in there with maybe a hundred other people that already got jury duty and they made us sit there all fucking day. And you could do, you could smell it. You could smell it. You could see it. There was still dust and debris everywhere, everywhere. Damn. And it was like that for a very long time, but it, you know, united the city and a few other things. But for me, it was, it took, it took hours to realize, man, I was supposed to be there. And then, 
try to theorize, you know, what could have done, what I've gotten out, what I've ran to the train, you know, because they hit the train too. You know, you got the Port Authority train right there. You know, you got, I forget, I got the E train and a few others there. Everything was shut down. Everything was shut down for blocks and blocks and blocks. So there's no telling. But I was spared of all of that. So that's my not What was the mood like in the city, like um, days and weeks afterwards? Well, they, you know, they targeted Muslim people. Um, it got real nasty, you know, because a lot of the Arabs and stuff owned bodegas and stuff like that uptown. So it was it was all targets on anybody that was Muslim-ish, right? Mm-hmm. We got you, baby, out of here. You know, they. I think they did something to one of the mosques that was close to 9-11. But other than that, it was it, people were nice to each other. You know, it was a different atmosphere. It was a different air. It was, hey, hey, hi, hey, oh, man, you know, we came together. You know what I mean? And uh, it was interesting to see that. And not too long after that, I, I have to say maybe a year after that, we got the uh, blackout. We had a blackout in New York City. And uh, it took out everybody, like the East Coast grid or something like that. And Damn. that that was wild because we all, you know, we had just went through 9-11. So yeah. we're thinking, oh, here's part two. They didn't took out the electricity. We're fucked. So you had restaurants, you just giving away food, everyone trying to giving away food, helping each other, trying to get people home because there was no subway. There was no nothing. And I I was spared again. I was, I was at home. I just got off the train. I just got off the train. And I'll tell you, I got off the train, walked in my house, and I had, you know, I had clock radios. You know, imagine how long ago that was, right? So I had my clock radio. I had, like, the weather emergency shit. So I heard, all I heard was click, click, boom. And then the emergency broadcast system came on. And I was like, oh, shit. And I just stayed in my house. And then I went to get my son from, I think this this was during the summer, so I went to get him from summer camp, and no lights were working, everyone's at the stoplight looking who's going to go next, and man, it was was different, but the city, you know, brought down its, you know, tone, and everyone helped each other, you know, everyone helped each other. It's unfortunate that we do come together when something bad happens, but we can't do that on a normal basis. Crazy. And we're called the United States. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> we're the furthest thing from that, man. Geographically, we're all united because all the you know, lands are touching each yeah. other. But, yeah. You know, the funny thing, we, we hold on. It took so long for us to be individuals. You know what I mean? I grew up in the 70s, 80s where you were not an individual. You know, we all watched TV at the same time because you had to. You had no DVR, nothing. So if you wanted to see Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, you had to be in front of your television at 8 p.m., yeah. no disturbances, you know what I mean? Like, turn the phone off, don't answer the phone, <laughs> turn it, you know? Like, yeah. we kind of didn't, we grew up not individuals. So now that we literally have the internet on our, on our hand and we can look up anything in a moment's notice, you know, we think we know it at all, yeah. right? Yeah. Now we've got thousands of followers on Instagram. So now we think we're popular and famous and all this other mess, you know, it's just a lot of stuff and going through the pandemic and people being locked down it it really changed their mindsets big time where everyone's lying in the sand. Like, are you part of that team? Are you part of this team? Are you with this? Are you collectively that, you know, and individualism is still hard, even with those collectivisms. So it's, it's 
we've watched ourselves become these people that we wanted to be, right? We wanted to have the internet. We wanted full access to everything. We wanted to have our own platforms, which we do individually and collectively, but we're not doing anything really with it. Yeah. Other than kind of stunting on each other, you know what I'm saying? Instead of like, like you said, uniting each other. Yeah. Like I always say, like not saying aliens are bad or if they're even real, but like, say aliens came down and they attacked us. Are we going to be like, oh, you're black, you're white, I'm against you? Or we're going to join together against them? I and know. I would hope that we would bond together as people. But, you I know, mean, like I, I said, the way the world's been going is like the last couple of years, man, everybody's on their, like you said, they're on their own team. You're either yep. red, blue, black, white. You know, it's like, no, man. It's like, stop. We're humans. It's hard to. Um even when you bring them something like aliens, right? You know, that there's a group of people like that's an alien team, right? Team yeah. alien, you know what I mean? Or team sin or whatever the case is. There, there's so many teams and people are not seeing that we're all pretty much the exact fucking same. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't, I don't know why that's such a hard concept. You know, and I do know why, because you look at me, I'm black, right? And you look at you and, I don't know your origin, but white, right? Another black. So Mm -hmm. there's that visual representation that we're different, right? And that's where it starts. Oh, I'm looking at you. And then I talk to you. You talk different. You're not from so-and-so. You're from this. So we kind of, even on our day-to-day, we just kind of continue to sever ties, sever, 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 right? Until we can find someone that we think are like us or whatever the case is when we should love each other for not being like us so that Mm -hmm. we can learn more from each other. But I don't know. Unification is a tough thing, right? Because people make money off of us not being unified, right? People make more money on individualism than they would collectivism, right? So it's hard to figure out what would unite us or how would we be united? And if it takes something like destruction, that's that's the worst thing ever. But I hear what you're saying. Because like even like you mentioned the power, just imagine if that's the next attack or we lose water. You saw people were fighting over toilet paper. Just imagine if fucking water or food is gone. Dude, it's just insane. Like, we will turn into animals, man. People die over food instead. It would get nasty. Yeah. Because they still got the survival instinct. You know what I mean? I have to survive. Survival of the fittest. Ah, you know? So a lot of that came into play. And the people just panicked Mm -hmm. watching too much television. You know what I mean? Like, I personally don't use that much toilet paper. I like the fucking wet wipes. <laughs> I know what's coming out, baby. I'm not going to lie, though. When 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 I saw people grabbing, like, toilet paper and stuff, I was at Walmart working the load, and I was, like, looking around. I'm like, why are these people? I'm going to grab some, too. I was like, I'm going to grab fucking some, too. So I ended up grabbing, like, two, like, 24 packs. It took us, like, literally, like, when we took Tony and I, like, literally, like, two years to use it all. That's how long it was in the in the uh you got in the- a washcloth. You got washcloth. You got the best toilet paper. Yeah. Yeah. I was just thinking in my head, I'm like, why did I do why did I see everyone else grabbing toilet paper and then people are grabbing like five gallons of milk? I'm like, bitch, where are you gonna keep it all? Like, I just want to know where the where'd that come from? Like, why was everybody so worried about the toilet paper? Oh, that's, um you know, that's media hype and man, you know, that sort of thing. So Once like, one did it, they all started. <laughs> yeah, so like the the manufacturers couldn't keep up with some kind of like the, their supply got cut, so they right. couldn't make it. And when it was coming here it, from wherever, and like the companies in America couldn't make it because they couldn't get the raw materials. That's when the shortage started happening. 
And I do remember uh, the Walmart receiver telling me she hasn't seen toilet paper in like three months on any trucks. I was like, damn. That's crazy. Yeah. You have a washcloth. (laughs) Or get a bidet. Get a bidet. Get a bidet. Hello. Oh, man. So what advice would you have for somebody that's trying to start a brand? Uh, The mind work. I I would say... Do that mental work as much as possible. Find out who you are and try to enhance that as much as possible. And that goes through your daily habits or your monthly habits or your yearly habits. And if you're not, if you're more uh, not necessarily an individual, you don't understand that, you know, try to understand you. Mm. I started that years ago when I was in college. I went to an art institute and I used to just audio myself talking just so I can understand what are people listening to when I'm talking? And then I discovered all kinds of shit. A monotone, you know what I mean? And that goes sexier for the ladies than if you're high pitched, you know, like, like that low depth, that low tone. I was like, okay, so I'm gonna, I'll be good with the ladies. I mean, so I would say try to figure out what your niche is. If you have one, create one. And don't try to go for everyone, go for a few. Mm. So when I started, I started with just a few people i didn't have a lot of people and when i started using and understanding social media because I, I was the guy in 2010 that was sitting there trying to figure out facebook oh how does this work what am i going to do uh, how do i figure out how to make that something that's going to be worth for me yeah but branding is a lot about the individual and the individual versus the collective and you've got to have an antithesis. You've got to have like an enemy. You know what I mean? You got to have like an enemy that you're fighting for or against. And that comes with your purpose. You know what I mean? Or your cause or why you're doing what you're doing. And for me, I just, I talk free speech. You know what I mean? I'm all about free speech. I'm all about saying what's on your mind. And I just use the word fuck because it seems to be so offensive <laughs> when we do it all the time. But it seems to offend people. I don't care. I want to, I try, I find, I find like a social structure in the offense. Like, oh, okay. You're offended by this based on, well, oh, I go to church or uh, I'm like, do you know how many preachers follow me? How many pastors repost? How many pastors wise repost? Like, stop it. You know what I mean? So uh, building a brand is really about the individual versus the collective. And what do you bring into the table? Make it as original as possible. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny, like uh, people that are upset about that word, but essentially we all have to fuck to be here because nobody is here without somebody. (laughs) (laughs) It's so funny what people do get offended about, though, man. Like like if you're doing some heinous shit, I can understand that. But just a word that is not, you know causing any harm it's like why does that bother you so much somebody put this much emphasis on this word that it rattles your core exactly it's like they say no matter how good something is there's always going to be one person that is going to find something no matter what it is it could be you giving somebody a hundred dollars and saying have a good day and just walking off oh well why did you give it to him and this and that uh you know whatever yeah so exactly does it ever trip you out that you have as many people that could fill like two stadiums following you on a daily? <laughs> yes. Yes. I, I listen, I, 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 you know, the funny thing was, and I, I'm, I'm going to do my best to try to remember this, 
but let's say in 2015, I had about maybe 10,000 followers. Mm-hmm. And I just said, I don't And people are trying to, say, what are you doing? You should do this. You know, all the suggestion shit. But once you hit like, I think 50,000, I finally hit like 50,000. I was just like, whoa, man, this is, this is working. <laughs> like something's, yeah. something's clicking here. What am I going to do? So I just took it down, right, and tried to refine it. I still always try to figure out the best messaging every day, every post. I don't sit back and just loll on it. You know what I mean? Like, I really try to sit back and think, what is this? When a person reads this, what are they going to get out of this? Mm -hmm. So to answer your question, it it definitely blows my mind, even to this day. You know, now it's kind of blows my mind. I'm at the same number. I've been at the same number for like (laughs) two years. Like, what's going on? (laughs) That's an Instagram this I could guarantee you. But uh, yeah, at first it did. And then I, when people started messaging me and what, what it meant to them, I was like, okay, all right, I get it. And then it became like a purpose and then it became almost like a job. You know what I mean? Now I, I got to make sure I'm doing this because this could help this or this can help this person or that person. So it does still bug me out though. Do you still have the other page? What is it, the White Devil page? I do have, it's Villain 6. And uh, that was what me and Rory were. Uh, oh, okay. Rory, it was myself. I had, man, I'll tell you, I had fucking, I had four of the st- strongest military guys I'd ever met. You know, one was, uh, he still is, uh, he was an interrogator. Uh, he got into interrogation because he was a POW for about a year or so. So he got into interrogating and turned it into a podcast. And oh, his- shit. And then his friend as well, who, man, the things they told me, I was just like, wow. And then I had Rory, and then I had another guy, uh, Johnny Payne. And we were, they didn't understand what we were doing. They didn't get it. And then what racist, then when race, race or racism became the topic of the century, they were like, fuck, we should have put more money into this. We should have put more time. Yeah, motherfucker. And, you know, and that's the thing. When you build something ahead of its time, and that's the thing, dude, I, I think we haven't seen the full potential of what I've created. Like Puma wasn't it. You know what I mean? We haven't seen the full potential of what I've created. And that's, that's beautiful in some ways. And then fucking crazy in others. Right. Because it's like, what can I do to get to that full potential? And it really takes, I don't want to say the collective, but to this, to a certain extent now it's going to take me figuring out a good collective of people that are going to get behind this and really push this with me. You know what I mean? But it does sort of bug me out a little bit, but for the most part, I like what I do and I, I, I'm with it every day and I, I really take it seriously. Now, do you have a team of people that work with you? I've had several teams. Currently, uh, it's me and my mom right now. Really? Oh yeah, dude, that's impressive, man. Like I said, like, like I said, your page and and uh, Daily Stoke are my two go tos every morning, man. Appreciate that. Every morning, but it's you know, like now I can I can get away with dropping stuff that I dropped a few years ago. Every now and then I'll sneak some of that in there. I can tell people, man. People have been following me for so long; they can tell when I'm reposting something. Like, hey, <laughs> I'm telling you, there's no. These guys don't play. Listen, you go on my page right now and you can see like, oh, this is, you know, the impact here versus impact here. And some people don't do that in terms of numbers and stuff. I don't do that in terms of not wedded to that. 
but you, they are parameters. They are metrics. I'm going to look at the parameters. I'm looking at the metrics and figure out where the impact is at. You know, that's just natural. But uh, yeah, man, I love it. So what's your, uh, your future goals and plans? Um, you know, I'm always looking to take over the world as much as possible. <laughs> um, it's, it's, I'm in an interesting place right now where there's no pressure on me, which is di- different, right? I, I've lived and breathed off of pressure and whether it was get this printed, you know, you were talking, Oh man, I wanted to buy a hoodie. I can't, you know, fuck, you know, that used to be my life. Yo, I got to make sure that hoodie's there. I got to make sure I've got enough stock. I got to make sure I got enough large, extra large. You know, now I'm non-pressure. There's not much pressure coming in. And it's it's building me as an individual. And it's building me in terms of what I want to do long term. And that really comes down to how do I take these conversations that we're having right now, right? And how do I take it and make it into something we all talk about, whether it's it's every day or every month or every year. How do I take what I do, make it annual or semi-annual or whatever the case is? How do I take my concepts for fitness and create an entire franchise, right? Or how do I take what I do in terms of hoodies and stuff like that and turn that into its own factory? You know what I mean? And so my goals are really, again, that living legend. Like I just have to do one thing. And then boom, now I'm this. And now people are calling me versus me calling them. Yeah. I've seen that. Man. Yeah, I see you doing it, man. You have no doubt. <laughs> no doubt. I mean, you know, I I, I have 100% confidence in myself. It's because I've seen myself. Yeah. I've seen what myself has done and gone through. You know what I mean? There were times I've fucking slept in train stations. You know what I mean? There's times I've slept outside. There's times I've fucking slept on people's couches, you know? And there was times where I'm spending 70 grand on nothing. You mm. know what I mean? So it's, there's different dichotomies to that, you know? But uh, I know what I can do, what I'm capable of. And it's, you know, I've gone past the point of permission, right? I've gone past the, so I need permission to proceed. You know, I've, I've gotten to the point now where, I, I can't bitch about nothing because I can achieve whatever it is I want. So like, I, I like to ask a couple of questions um, and I already think I already know one of them that I'm going to ask, but <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> so like, what's your advice for people and what mark do you see yourself leaving on the world? That's what I think I already know the answer to, but I would still like to hear it from you again. My advice really is find originality. Like if we were all original with one original thought, imagine if we all had just one original thought and that could thought could be, you know, make ice cream blue or I don't know, right? It, it, I'm not going to be the one to define those originality, but be as original as possible. Find one original thought and just see that through. See that through, whatever it is. And if it, it may be stupid to us, but it could be everything to you. Mm-hmm. Don't worry about it. Find what it is and do everything you can to see that through to its full potential. And my mark on the world, eh, it's a tough one. It's a tough one. A living legend. Well, true. <laughs> what does that look like? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Am I the living legend because I sold a hundred thousand t-shirts, right? Or am I a living legend because I changed a community mm. from killing each other to taking care of each other, right? I mean, where is that gonna fall? And I, I can control that as much as possible. And I've taken the time to kind of pull back and control as much of it as possible. But 
let's see where that lands. I know where I want it to land and I know what I'm putting out there. So it'll land a certain way. So let's make sure it gets there. And, you know, let's make sure I can get myself there. And another thing I like to ask is, uh, what do you think happens when we die? Um, So we're all energy, right? For the most part, we're like a glass of milk or like a cup of shit, right? So a bunch (laughs) of energy in a vessel, right? So that energy is going to dissipate. And depending on how strong it is, it may dissipate forever. Or someone else may pick that shit up and be like, okay, let's go on. Let's continue with what they're working with, maybe in our own way. But uh, I just see us fall into dust, right? And then people talk about us or exchange thoughts about us for as long as that happens. But if that energy you had while you're in this vessel was not something that transgressed or, or, or went against the grain or did something to help others achieve some kind of uh, success or important or however you want to see that, then it's going to dissipate and we're never going to be thought of again. But if we take the time to take that energy that we have while we're in this vessel and do everything we can to help other communities, other people, and do it with some real thought and not because we are going to get paid to do it, that energy has a chance to last a lifetime. Mm. 100% correct. Because, you know, like I know for a fact, Native Americans believe that their ancestors are still with them because of all the good they did. And they're always there to help them and stuff. I actually wrote a paper on this in in college. That's why I know that's true. Are you proud of yourself? I love this Native American, uh, what you just said. What made you, what made you bring that up? The energy? Oh, because you, you said about Native Americans. What made you bring that up? Because you did a paper on it? Yeah, because you were talking about your energy is reabsorbed, kind of, you know? Like, that's why I brought up Native Americans, because they still believe that to this day, that their ancestors are always with them, whether it's good ancestor or bad ancestor, and the good ancestors always outweigh the bad ancestors. Like and energies, that's why they're always available to survive. I mean, we see what this we did, like not us personally, but like the country did to them, you know. And and and, and the mere it, fact that they haven't pushed the nuclear button on white people as a whole <laughs> is just a testament to who they are. As, yeah, as seriously. And yeah. you know, and you have you have their own misery. They're they're liber- They're dying their own iniquity. It's terrible. And you know, you have you have tribes that are very very rich and powerful still and then you have smaller ones that are you know they're not doing good or they're completely wiped out and some of it is based on how much resources they were able to take negotiate mm-hmm. hostile whatever from the powers that be at that time you know what i mean so and some have casinos you know what i mean yeah. and there's a lot of different ways that these guys are making money man like tobacco tobacco like i heard they're starting to get into cannabis you know and they've got enough land to do whatever it is they want but uh it's beautiful that you brought that up i was raised you know native american in some in some ways right in terms of references and stuff like that and, and that's one that i hold on to i don't really think about let's say god right i think about my ancestor you know i'm thinking about the slave the guy who got his like chopped off or rutted or you know what I mean? He got his arm chopped off or eating apple or what he's not supposed to or some shit. You know, how would he feel about me and what I'm doing and what I say and how I live? Would he be proud or would he be like, man, 
I fucking lost my legs so you could do that dumb shit. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. And I think about that all the time, man. I always think about, you know, who was here before me and who's here now and who's going to be here after me and what is it I'm going to leave or what is it I'm going to say or is there something I can say? <laughs> is there something I can do that would change this? Yeah, you don't want to be the person that's making a bad reputation for your family when they did all this cool shit to get to this point where we're at right now. Absolutely. That's the last thing. And, you know, that could be a race thing. That could be a mentality, an ideology thing. It could be based on who you've been around or who you grew up with. You know, you want to make people proud of you and what you're doing and your accomplishments as much as possible if you're on it like that. Yeah. Some people just want to exist, you know, have all as much sex as possible, smoke all the weed possible and drive all the cars and then die. (laughs) But you're dead forever. No one's ever going to remember. And that's how, that's how you want to live. And that's how you want to like join your ancestors. You know, good luck with that. Yeah. I think it's like one of those things, like if you're not bitching about it, that's one thing. But if you're one of those people that's complaining, well, I don't have this and I want more and you're not doing anything to get more. It's on you. Mm-hmm. You're the one fucking up. You act like we have a reset button that we know on this life. True. And then what are you going to do once you get it? <laughs> They're going to do the same shit again, probably. <laughs> Exactly. With the wrong mentality. <laughs> it's like the people that, so I'm using Memphis as an example. It's like people always shitting on Memphis, like live here. And then like, say like with one of the shitty people always shitting about Memphis leaves. Oh, when I leave here, it's going to be so great. It's not the city, man. It's not the city or town. It's you. You are the you. shitty person. Like uh, you don't see that. Like it's not, it's not your city. Your city is great. Yeah, I was talking to this girl and she was when they go on vacations or they're moving. I'm like, are you moving from something? (laughs) You have to. And in some cases, people are so locked into what they do, you know, locally, you know, good or bad, that they do have to physically leave that place to make any changes. I did. Yeah, I I grew up. Listen, I got into like, I don't want to say gangs because it wasn't a gang, but I got into like a posse. You know what I'm saying? I was a terror. I was a terror, man. I'm bringing, I'm bringing beer home. I'm putting beer in the fridge. I'm like 18. Well, it was like, get the fuck out of here. But, you know, I, I had to leave. Once I left, I went to see family in Colorado. I saw family in Ohio and in Colorado. I really was able to get my mind together and myself together because I had references to how I grew up and how I felt growing up and learning these things. And then being out in the middle of nowhere, I was able to kind of take that stuff and rebuild myself. So sometimes it does take you moving out of there. But definitely it's you are the problem, not the town. Yeah. <laughs> I do agree with that, though. I think a lot of people need to travel more, especially Americans. They need to go mm-hmm. see other cultures and experience other things because you can. I think a lot of people bitch about our situation here, but they don't realize how many people have it a lot worse than we do. A lot worse. And you don't have to go that far to see it. No. I mean, you just go, go to fucking Tijuana or yeah. across the border, man. And it's like it's night and day. What? How? And then just like hey. simple things like water. Like, we don't have to really think about going to the tap and be like, is this water going to make me sick? Mm-hmm. Right. You know, that's a that's a necessity. It's not something that we can like, oh, I don't need water. You know, it's life you or death. Know, whoever built those dams or did those man-made streams or whatever, I mean, they're the ones to blame, no doubt. But sometimes I think it gets to the point where 
we we don't necessarily go in there and clean things up and maintenance things to the to the letter, mm. right? And that's the biggest thing for us in New York City during COVID and lockdowns and stuff was they finally started cleaning all the trains. Oh, y'all, it took, took this, took us not taking the train because we didn't want to get sick for you to finally decide to clean the train. And I mean, they would clean the floors, but we're talking, they scrub that thing up and down, up and down. You saw New York City cleaning itself mm. just so that people would come outside and get back to New York City or living in New York. So there's always positive and negatives with things. There's always, you know, pros and cons of different things. But, uh, you know, the issue, issue with water and stuff like that, I mean, that's irrigation systems that probably never been cleaned. You know, there's probably a lot of other things of how that lead got in there, that mercury or whether the case is. But people aren't just taking the time to go back and clean things uh, to the point of actually being clean. Yeah. Yeah. But like what y'all were saying about like people bitching about their city, it's like. We were talking to this one girl and she was talking about, what are we doing for New Year's? And she's like, I'm going to go to New Orleans. And she's like, Memphis has nothing to offer. Well, make something here then. Right. Oh, why, 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 why are you running? Good point. <laughs> good point. And, you know, go, and she's, she's missing, go, go build that shit. Yeah. She's a girl that goes out uh, quite a bit. And, you know, she, her, she lives down. She, her, she has a lot of friends and stuff that live downtown and all that stuff. And it's like. But you guys go to the same three places. That's why you think there's nothing to do here. <laughs> like a buddy of ours just uh, reopened a restaurant that a lot of people are going to tonight, you know, and they, they're doing an after hours thing like a GDD with the DJ and stuff. Right. And then, you know, you have the Beale Street ball drop and, then you know, there's all kinds of different things going on. It's just like, yeah, I get it. You maybe you want to get out of Memphis, but don't say there's never anything going on here because there's a lot of shit going on in Memphis. Well, it's like be the change you want to see. The change. Yeah. Like I always, change. I always go back to this Tupac quote. He talks about, I might not change the world, but I guarantee you I'll spark the brain of the person that will. So it's like, just because you're not doing something, at least try to help somebody else do it or, or get a collective together to do something. Instead of just crying, bitching and moaning. That's all. You, know you know, the funny thing you brought up Tupac, you know, Tupac is actually an ancestor. Oh, really? Oh, dude. That's... No, no. Think about that. Just think about that. He's one of our ancestors. Yeah. Yeah. He's no longer around. True. And we're talking 26 years ago. 26 years ago. That guy did a lot in his short period of time, man. Yeah, man. But I thought about that this morning. I'm like, you know what? Tupac is an ancestor. (laughs) I actually had this. I'm like, shit. (laughs) He's looking down on us, too. Like, It's like you said, the memories like that's something that he left behind that people are still talking about today. He left. He made an impact. It's not. Listen, he's still like getting a billion streams. Yeah, he's very relevant. He's still relevant. Listen, I was listening to it on the way. I was listening to like his greatest hits on the way to the gym this morning. I'm telling you, man, it still slaps. Yeah, it's still slapping. <laughs> I was listening to the one with Bone Thugs the other. Uh, oh my god, <laughs> yes, man, with the yeah. gut shots. Yeah, man. Pop. Pop. <laughs> pop, 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 pop. El, my last thing I want to ask you because I think this would be a good question for you is who, who would you like to give flowers to or appreciation to? Oof! Wow. Oof. Well, damn. 
So I've never told anyone this. I don't even, I don't think I've told, I may have told one or two people, but you know, when I reach that certain level that I'm looking for, and it's, you know, it's financial, unfortunately. I'm every person that ever gave me any money is getting it back with interest. So I really want to give flowers to the ones that saw me, saw this, you know, saw what I was going to become, saw what I was going to do, saw this. And I still talk to a few. And they'll be like, man, 2007, you were sitting in the car with me and you said, I'm going to start this. I'm going to do this. And you did it. I was like, yeah, that's true. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, sometimes you got to you gotta remember, like, damn, I, I really did that. Oh, shit. Goddamn. Right? And you just got to continue with that. So to answer your question, I would probably give flowers to every person that's ever believed in me or put some money on me on, at all. You know what I mean? And bought a shirt, put my shit up. Like I want to give back those types of flowers, you know what yeah. I mean? And that's why, you know, I don't, I'm not sure which one of you reached out, but I was like, fuck yeah, dude. Like I'm, I'm nobody. I'm everybody, but I'm nobody. So if I can't do like Joe Rogan and then do a podcast like this, you know, what the fuck am I doing? You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not, I'm not trying to chase fame. I'm not trying to chase popularity. You know, I want to be, that impact guy when you say oh that, yeah man he did this 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 he did this 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 and quote me for the rest of eternity that's what i want i don't want like you know oh i've got the biggest bugari or whatever the case is right i want to be able to give flowers to every single individual that's ever actually helped or cared or motivated me in any way yeah that's beautiful right there and i appreciate you living up to who you are in your posts on this yeah Dude, we had a guy i have never released this episode oh, there's so this bad. guy he's like some hollywood writer or something and I just try to talk to him and it's just like dude man like it's it, it was a struggle i'm doing this man i'm like so i'm talking we're talking like this and then he's answering tony's question i'm looking at tony you could i'm just looking at him like he's just getting irritated at it and more irritated <laughs> and more i'm like I think that episode was only like 45 minutes long or an hour or something like that, you know? And I was like, he's like, dude. So after we got done recording, he was like, that was just, no, I don't, I don't even think I'm going to release that. I was like, okay. I mean, like it was basically like, if I asked you a question and you would be like, go to my Instagram and look at one of my posts. That's what he would be like. Go to my web. That's what he did the entire, like, uh, when we were just bullshitting, I'm like, dude, this is. I was like, okay, we've had that one bad guess now. <laughs> Thank you. I will tell you how real that is, what you just said, Tony, because I've met a lot of these guys, some of the more popular ones that follow me. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you, man, <laughs> they don't cut the mustard. If they're not, you know, I almost feel like this shit is scripted to a certain extent because if they're not, and I've met guys like that. You know, I met guys that are like super smart, very intelligent, but then you take them out of their element and have them do some neck shit and they look ridiculous. Yeah. Right. And I talk to some of these guys and I'm like, dude, this guy's not even real. Like, <laughs> I remember I had an argument with a guy and he went to Instagram to answer my argument. <laughs> <laughs> You, you want me to go all the way to you? And I'm, I'm on the phone with him or texting him or some shit. Jesus. I'm on the phone with him, texting him some shit, right? And he's replying on Instagram. Damn. What the fuck? Yeah, what some kind people. What world is this? Clown but, world, uh, man. 
I'll tell you how, you know, how, and, and what's more unfortunate is pages like mine that are quotes and stuff like that. You meet these people and it's, it's just not the same. Yeah. It's terrible. And that's, that's what makes what I do so lethal, but it also makes it so inviting because what you're seeing actually are getting, mm. you know what I mean? Like it's not Facebook ads or Instagram posts or boosts or whatever the fuck, right. Or badges or whatever the, it's like, dude, I, I'm almost, it got to the point I was embarrassed to get as much money as I was getting at one time because it, it just felt like I was stealing. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking to guys that are clearly not as fluent, you know what I mean? Or affluent, right? And I'm, they're paying me. <laughs> I, I sort of felt like I was stealing, you know, or, or jacking them, you know, but it's, uh, you know, it is what it is. It's hard, man. You know, profits aren't supposed to profit. You know what I mean? So it, it's it's hard to be a messenger, you know, for the people or for the people and get paid. It, it, it's it doesn't it doesn't coincide because then because I've been through that where I was just making all this money and doing all this stuff. And I remember looking down and I was just like, dude, what the fuck am I doing? Like, why am I doing all this for money? Like, what, what is what's the point? You know what I'm saying? And uh, so a lot of these guys you meet are just. Oh, it's and it's terrible. I don't even want to meet anybody else. I'm just like, <laughs> ruin it. Yeah, was, man, it was. I, I'm not going to name the rapper, but I met this rapper, right? And I was super disappointed, man. I was just like, "Fuck, dude, what is this?" You know what I mean? Like, I went there for his performance. I saw his performance. It was terrible, and you know why? I mean, we were in the middle of nowhere. Mm. We're in the middle of fucking nowhere, and he didn't. He knew no one was really going to be there or in the audience, and maybe ticket sales were down, or it wasn't the numbers he was trying to hit. But his shit was whack, and then I met him, and then I was like, "This is terrible." Like, I'm, I might as well not have met you. <laughs> <laughs> there's a saying that there's remembering a... that you're a fucking trash when I met you. Like, yeah. fuck you. So. I try not to meet people, dude, because my expectation and it's an uncontrollable expectation, right? You see someone online or you see them in their music or whatever. It's uncontrollable that you think you've got so much in common with this guy. Man, I got so much in common with this guy. And you meet him and it's like, you got nothing in common with this guy. He's literally an entertainer or he's literally a writer or he's literally someone that just does podcasts. And you take him out of that element and he's not anything of what you thought he was. Yeah, they're like manufactured. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Oh, what are you going to say? Like, did never meet your heroes? Is that? What oh, yeah, yeah. Something like, you know what? Yeah. Yeah. I know that rapper wasn't your hero, but like, you know, it's like, they're no. like, damn, that guy fucking sucked. Like, what? No, and then you, there goes that image of him, you know, like, or her, I should say, them. The music's the worst because now you can't even like their songs anymore. <laughs> I'm another rapper. But I met the side chick of a rapper. <laughs> And he was, she was his side chick and dude, he side chicked the hell out of this woman. I'm telling you, like stuck her in hotels and she wouldn't see him for weeks and what, you know, a week or whatever. Wouldn't take, she, he never took her to any award thing or nothing. I was just, I was, I came so close to just taking her myself. (laughs) (laughs) You can't do it. I'm gonna go ahead and do it. Yeah, but I was gonna make her a maid. I wasn't gonna make her a side. I just, you know, I get the side chick culture. You know, I was part of 
besides your culture. I get it. You know, it's like you're in a different town and, yeah, you know, shit's there. I get it. But, dude, to, to sit there and, and see this rapper that you grew up with, that you love, right? Million, hundreds of songs with this guy. And he's treating this woman like trash and she's your neighbor. What <laughs> do you do now? You know what I'm saying? So I, I can't even see this guy. I can't see him and be <laughs> popular again. And, oh, man, it's terrible. So music is the worst. Everything else I could deal with. Yeah. I just don't want to be more artists because... They can't stack up. It's well, that's terrible. like they say, like, if you have a, a, a song with, like, a couple, and then y'all break up, it's like, fuck, man, you ruined that song for me. You ruined that band for me. <laughs> yeah. like, I don't want to associate them with you anymore. Ever. Right. I can't even listen to this before. <laughs> so uh, where can everybody find you at? Uh, every time, I just, I'm, I'm focused on the Instagram for now. I want to revamp the website, but I need someone that's going to go in there with me. You know what I mean? Like, I, I did that. I did the website and all the apparel stuff for years on my own. And I'll tell you, I, I could never keep up with the demand because I'm 13 hours printing out labels. And then I'm eight hours in the post office because I'm that kind of guy. Like, I want to make sure your shit is going to get there legitimately and not just throw it in some rack or whatever the case is. So, you know, it's it's you can find me there pretty much on Instagram while I rebuild everything else. I've got a few initiatives that we're going to come to light in probably the next few weeks. Um, and it's kind of back to what I was doing, kind of the roots of what I'm doing, teaching kids. And I'm trying to get it at the teenage level. I'm, I'm tired. Of, I'm tired of adults. I mean, I love you all. Guys, <laughs> adults are the worst, dude, because by the time they get to me, they've got, they might as well be constipated because they can't think straight, <laughs> can't fucking think straight. They can't come up with an original thought to save their lives. You know what I mean? And I'm, I'm, the work I do when I've done it with adults, like, dude, it's 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 real work. You know what I mean? And it's not scripted and it's not an e-fucking book. It's you and me talking and really getting to it. But I want to get back to uh, more of the kids thing because, you know, I don't know where these kids are headed. You know what I mean? I don't know what's going on with them. You know, I, I've studied kids crazy uh, pretty much 24 to 34 and I understand their mentality and where they're going. So I'm going to go lower. I'm going to 13, probably 13 to like 18, 19. I'm going to stay there for a little while and uh, institute what I can and just build my own army, dude. Build my own fucking nation of kids that think like me or somewhat of me or have my influence. And uh, that's going to change the world because I can't do it just by myself. I got to yeah. have it, you know, uh, more of a world thing. And the, the guy, you know, I've been doing this 15 years, dude. So it's like the people that started with me are fucking 50 now or fucking 40s, something, you know what I'm saying? And they're washed up or they, you know, they're tired. <laughs> yeah. They doing too much or they got kids and marriage and shit. So I got to go younger and figure out how to, you know, influence that next generation. Because I did good the first time. You know, I had college kids. I had a bunch of people around the world. Um working with each other, you know, and so on and so forth. But uh, I'm going to go for the teenagers now and really just build that up. Well, that's, so a, that's the best way to shift the, the world, though, is with the youth. I, mm -hmm. just, I just, you know, I never, I didn't think about it. I thought about it, but as an adult, you know, I, I was doing kids' designs for a minute, mm -hmm. but I didn't do it 
continuously because I'm not a kid. Yeah. Right? I wanted was biggest stuff I wanted to wear, you know. So now I'm gonna make the initiative uh more towards the teenagers and kids and really do everything I can to just let them know, you know, look at my life, look how I did this, look what I did, look where I came from, look at the struggles I had, look how I overcame them. And that's the beautiful thing what's happening right now is that to everyone I've I'm struggling or I fell off, you know, because there's no Puma sneakers and all this. Like, it's beautiful now. No, people can't call me and ask me for shit because they think I ain't got it. So it's perfect. There's no pressure. I've got perfect time to sit back and really think about what I'm doing and how I'm going to attack it. But Instagram's the best place to find me. Um, I never did the website thing. I never really took it seriously because, again, I feel like I'm stealing. Like, mm-hmm. if I... When I did my apparel, I did it mostly right here in person. You know what I mean? I would go to as many events as I possibly could wherever I was invited. So I could sit there and interact with you. I don't want to just take your money because you click, 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 boom. Now it's at the car. Now it's at your house. You know, and people knew that. So when I first started, a lot of people were like, you know, Sam, when they saw where if you wore anything I made, you know, you know, Sam, you know, you know, like. You had to know me or had have smelled my breath to even get this. <laughs> yeah. You know, and I as much as I really want to do that, you know, I'm really not taking advantage. I've never really taken full advantage of the internet or anything like that because there's so many guys that are doing it, making so much money, but you talk to them and they're plastic or they're nothing. You can't relate to them in any way. And because I'm the opposite. I don't want to do what they're doing. And that's the that's the struggle I really struggle with is I could automate all this shit and make tons of money. But to me, that's not how it should be done. It should yeah. be done like this. You know what I mean? Where we're talking to each other, looking at each other and really finding out, are you really about what you say? Are you really that dude? And once, you know, when the first 10 minutes are like, oh, yeah, you're really that dude. <laughs> <laughs> you talk shit no more. Yeah. There goes that Instagram post I had all set up. <laughs> yeah. I want, I want more of this. I want more of this. Yeah. The rest of the internet. You know what I mean? And I know that that's not the way the world is, but I can't stand the automating and thought of automating shit. You know, I want to be able to have real conversations with people and interact really with people i don't want it to be this six degrees all the time you know i'm just the guy at the top of the hill making all the money you know that's not that's not how i'm built yeah like that's the problem here i think a lot of the kids or i guess it's just all over the country but a lot of kids are lost man and they're doing a lot of dumb shit that's going to get them killed or locked up or kill somebody else in the process of the fuck shit that they're doing and it's just like they need more positive role models and and more people, especially that look like them, that are doing something that's good. Mm-hmm. We know? need OGs. We need OGs. I grew up with. I still got a few, and I, I'll tell you, man. When I talk to them, they act like I ain't shit. I ain't doing nothing. <laughs> yeah. You ain't shit. You ain't doing nothing. Get your life together, boy. Like you know, you need that. You know, we just don't have that. And we base it, you know, that OGism on how much popularity you have, or how much fame you have, or how much money you have, or that kind of thing. How many, how many uh, holiday turkey giveaways did you have or some shit like that, you know. But that's what we really need is elders, OGs, people that have been around for a while, really talking to us about the th- things that are, are more important. The guideline things that will never change, no, how much, no matter how much internet is out there. Yeah, because I, I think it's like, you re- remember what it's like when you're younger, 
and you do a lot of dumb shit, you're lost. And I think a lot of kids look for somebody to love them. And sometimes they get into the wrong group of people and they take that as love all the time, you know, and it's like, no, there's other things you can do that are positive. And most of these kids that are doing this dumb shit are doing smart shit. That's just bad. Like this whole Kia challenge. Like how do you figure out how to program a car to break into a car? Like, it's like they, they have the stuff, the the mentality, but they're just focusing in the wrong direction. They're going for the short, you know, the short investment, the short term. They're not thinking about the long term. What's it going to be long term? How's it going to affect me long term? Yeah. But yeah, like I said, I appreciate you doing this, man. Like I said, I've been a fan of yours for a long time and, uh, you lived up to it. Thank you. <laughs> Are you glad you met him? Are you glad you met him? That's, that's I a am. Good yeah, he glad yeah. you met him. That's a great compliment. Thank you. Yeah. It's like, man, I, I, listen, I, I, like, I got to break this cup, man. <laughs> <laughs> now the cup, man, anything you put in that cup is going to taste sweeter. Yeah. <laughs> it tastes better. Oh, man. But yeah, like I said, man, I take, I, I appreciate you taking time out of your day for us, man. Uh, Listen, I, I live for these types of moments, honestly. Like, when I was, I'm just some guy, you know what I mean, that got overweight and lost some weight and decided to create a whole fucking movement on just health and wellness, you know what I mean? And, and for me, it starts with the mentality what you're thinking, how you're thinking, what you're thinking. Like, it starts there. Everything else is secondary. What would you say to somebody that's struggling with weight right now? Like, what advice would you give them? So, I've been. I've been studying this fast thing for a minute and I've been, you know, I've been studying, looking at all kinds of videos, reading all kinds of texts, whatever the case is. I would say stop eating. I mean, that's not, you know, that's the the short of it. Yeah. I would say stop eating, right? Figure out a way as healthy as possible to stop eating. And whether you've got a doctor that's going to help you monitor that or friends and family or nurses or whatever it is, stop eating altogether mm. and then figure out a way to start reintroducing food so that you could literally see what it is doing to you. Yeah. Right. Forget the carbs. And I'm like, eat, stop eating altogether. I'm going to call my sister today and tell her to stop eating because she's talking that stupid shit. headaches. <laughs> Hospital visits, like I'm like, you better stop eating. You figure out a way to stop eating altogether because it just gets to the point where, you know, you become so habitual in your eating, you know, it becomes part of your lifestyle, or part of your culture that, you know, you've got to kind of leave that place for a little while to figure out how much good stuff you may be eating or not. But then the, the rest would be as much vegetables as possible. You know what I mean? Less meat, more vegetables, and not just any vegetable. Green shit, mm. green shit, orange shit, red, yellow. You know what I mean? Like real shit. And then just eat that as much as possible. Drink as much water as possible, right? But the biggest thing I would say is to figure out how to stop eating altogether. And whether it's uh, you know a few hours at a time. And then a day at a time or something, figure out how to stop eating. Because a lot of us are just doing it because we're bored. Yeah. Or we don't even know. That's the funny thing is you can be dehydrated, right? You're just thirsty. You think you're hungry. You're eating. You know what I mean? Like it gets to the point where what you're, and I used to say it like this, you're having so much, I'm, I'm taking food as conversation. So 
you're eating so much food and having all these different conversations with your body. It doesn't know what the fuck you're saying. You know, mm. you could be Chinese and you're talking English. So you've got to figure out a way to get to the point where you, your body can understand what you're eating and why you're eating it. <laughs> Cause the body is just as a communication as all of us, you know, it just communicates in a physical way and we communicate in a physical way as, as well, but it's communicating with us when it's not feeling well, when yeah. it's doing this and doing that. I would say stop eating altogether and figure out a way to do that. That way you can get back to eating and make it make sense and journal the uh, journal it as much as possible as well. Cause some people I don't think understand what they're even eating. Mm. So they took the time to actually sit down and, you know, eight o'clock, I ate this, I ate this felt like this, you know, and really took a time to really look at themselves and what they're eating and how they're eating and how it's affecting them socially physically, whatever the, emotionally, whatever the case may be. But I would try, I would tell them to stop eating altogether. And then they'd be like, what the fuck? And then, <laughs> then I, would call I would say, well, don't jump off the building, but let's <laughs> yeah. figure out a way to get you to stop eating because it's clearly, you know, not making you healthy and you're not making the best choices. So I would try to convince them to stop eating altogether first. And we, then I start saying all that other shit. Well, I think you can just look at it like at the the naked and afraid model where they can go three days without water, but 21 days without food. I think we as people are so like soft, I guess, because everything is so accessible. Our bodies yeah, can obviously yeah. go periods of time without consuming so much. Absolutely. And there's so the funny thing is, you know, as you get older, you have all the resources. Mm hmm. You've taken 40 years to build up all these resources, no matter what they are, good or bad. So you could take the time to like, you don't need as much food every day. Yeah. You just don't. What, what, it's like filling a gas, you know, you're filling the tank with gas and it's already a full tank. You're just mm. over full of the shit and you're just full and full, 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 like it shit's leaking out everywhere. Like, yeah. It doesn't make any sense. Like run the car for a little while. Then put gas in it. Okay, run it some more. Okay, nice. You can have a full tank, but let the shit go half or <laughs> empty if you can. Empty that fucking tank. And then replenish it. Then you'll understand it. So I would tell them, stop eating all together. That's the first thing I would say, stop eating. <laughs> well, and then we can have a conversation. And yeah. I'll say, okay, well, this is what I mean when I say that. This is what I mean when I say that. And I would encourage them to write that shit down. Write down everything you fucking ate. Everything. And then I would say, now that you've written it all down, go look that shit up. How many grams of fucking sugar? How many fucking grams of carbohydrates? How many fucking... Well, let's talk. Because you need metrics. And most people, when it comes down to weight loss, they just don't have any metrics. They have nothing to go off of. Yeah. Do you think a lot of people, especially people of color, are just ignorant to what they're consuming like maybe they haven't been taught there's there's three issues we have one is culturally mm -hmm. right? how we were raised what we were raised to eat that was the biggest thing right so i ate this because my mama ate it and yeah right yeah then it's really we, we kind of have this thing in our mind that we're we're gonna die mm -hmm. like i don't know we're gonna get shot or you know or We've seen so many people get shot or we've seen so many people die. We've seen so many people die young. You know what I mean? Tupac, right? Yeah. 25. Right? So we've seen so many people die young 
that we're just like living, you know, YOLO, they used to say, right? We're just like living every day like it's the last. And I even try to preach that, but I don't try to preach it in a way that's harmful. I try mm. to preach it in a way that's like, get to your goal, get to, you know, what it is you want to do, fucking live that day. Like it's your last and you're going to do everything you can to get to that goal, you know, and then reassess how far did you get that day? Okay. Tomorrow, what are you doing? Like, you know, that sort of thing. But, and that's number two. That number two is like big because we think we're going to die. So we want all the pleasures, you know, well, oh, we're going to do this and smoke this and eat that and drink that. Da, da, da. And then peer pressure is a huge one. You know, if we're, if you're eating differently or talking differently or dressing differently than the norm because you're in Memphis or you're in Harlem, you know, oh, I'm in Harlem, so I'm supposed to dress well. I'm in Memphis, I'm supposed to, you know, like that becomes a little geographical. But that peer pressure is pretty much the last one where the people around us are not eating or eating like shit and we're eating with them because yeah. that's our friend. Yeah. You know, that's our buddy. We love this place, you know. We're going to the restaurant tonight. <laughs> I mean, like he just reopened. Let's go. Where you know, it's it's those three things that are major inhibitors from us just doing better for ourselves in general. Like we we know gangs are not good. We know selling drugs is not good, regardless if the shit is legal or not. We know like culturally, that's not we're not pushing the right narrative. You know what I mean? Unless you're in a situation of PTSD, unless you're in a situation of depression or Crohn's disease or something like that, where those things can actually help you. Most of the time, we're just trying to get high, you know, to escape something. So we're using it as escapism. But for the most part, I'd say, because we know these things and still do them anyways, there's some issues that we have internally of not wanting to be different, right? Want to look like everyone else, sound like everyone else, be normal like everyone else, right? So we'll do the bad shit, even though we know it's bad because, well, I live on this block in Memphis and this is what everyone's doing on this block in Memphis, you know what I mean? Like, it gets stupid. Yeah, it's like that whole crabs in a bucket mentality. It's like you're trying to reach up and then they want to bring you back down because they see you trying to do well. And it's like, they should want to push you up, you know, so they can get out too. But, you know, a lot of people want to keep you on their level. It's like, uh, I saw this thing one time, somebody's like, we come from the same spot and you're mad that I'm doing something because you see that I've moved on and you're still in the same location. Yeah. It's like, you're not a tree, man. You can Dude, fucking move. You can, let me tell you, that was, ugh, I hate, it's almost like traumatic at this point, but that was another big thing. With the Puma thing, there were guys, there was one guy, loved this guy to death. He, the last thing he ever said to me was, Sin, I can't believe you're going to have your own sneaker. Never spoke to me again. The fuck? (laughs) Here's what happens. Here's what happens. When you're with a group of people and you end up doing it better than them five years, ten years, this guy has been seeing me build this business from the beginning, 15 years. And now he's got to look at himself. Mm. What am I doing? And that's what happened with a lot of people. When I signed that Puma shit, <laughs> I'm doing this. They were like, fuck, what am I doing? Yeah. I used to work out with this guy. I used to, yeah. you know, I used to talk shit about this guy. I used to, <laughs> what the fuck am I doing? People will really, truly look at themselves and hate on you because you did something 
they can do or didn't do. They'll make a reevaluation based on your individual success on themselves. And some will end up hating you yeah. for no fucking reason other than the fact that they did not take the risk. They did not take the chances to go out and make something of themselves the way they wanted to. They watched you do that shit. Yeah, it should be like that should be motivation or for you, you to want to do more. You would think. And some people are motivated that way. Don't get me wrong. He may be. Listen, this, this guy may be uh, working with. <laughs> <laughs> no idea, right. But who cares? Do you got to fucking you got to shit on me? You yeah. got to talk to me ever again because I did something you could only dream of. Damn. It's not my fault. It's kind of like you went from the collective or like when the, when all you are coming up from a collective idea, thinking alike to an individualism idea of yourself. You're right. And that's how you had to separate. And, well, you know, I, you know, I came into this world, right? <laughs> Let's just go there. Right. So I came into this world different from, from jump, from jump. You know, my mother raised me in a different community than most people. Right. She raised me a different way than most kids were raised. Maybe at that time it was kind of similar, but we were in a different community altogether. So we're sitting there. My mother's telling me about civil rights and I'm going to school with all white people. Mm. So I'm looking like, oh, shit. What do I do now? Am I do I be angry? Am I supposed to beat them up? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Then you talk to them and you're like, well, he didn't do slavery. <laughs> He's right. This guy didn't, he wasn't on the slave ships. You know what I'm saying? So it became a point of keep that in your mind as something that this is how they may look at you. This is how they may treat you. This is may, what they've done to others in the past. Right. But it's nothing you have to activate or work on until you find something that you like in your niche or how you want to see. It. And I grew up like that. That's the thing. Like I was, I wasn't getting information about civil rights from movies. Yeah. Getting from my mother. I wasn't getting it from P. You know, PBS. I was getting it from my mom at night, like bedtime stories or during the day. You know what I mean? So it's when you get that type of foundation, that's different. And if I say that to someone now, it may look like I'm lying because I don't know anyone that's sort of raised like that, or very few. Because people are looking at slavery like it's so bad. It's the worst thing ever. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. We're not getting reparations, this and that. I'm like, well, this is history. And we're learning from history. And we're learning how not to let that repeat itself yeah. in history for now. So I was raised differently. What, I, what really the challenge was, was to see the value in how I was raised. To see the opportunity to teach others the base on how I was raised. That was the huge challenge because what I'm in a, a white neighborhood. I'm going to teach civil rights to white people. No, let's figure out a way to teach it to my own community by being in my own community. So I left my community that I was raised and I went to a whole another one with all of them. And said, this is the Mecca. I got to be here. Let me see, let's make some shit here. Fuck it. So I went into, it was almost, I was raised a different way. I found an opportunity opportunity of how I was going to change myself and make something of myself. And I did everything I could to institute myself, including going to the blackest place I knew and lived there as long as I could and soaked up all that energy and spoke to as many people as I possibly can and then instituted something I was proud of. And that's what we see now. 
But again, as I said earlier, this is something that image was in my head as a child. And now I get to relive my childhood by going back to childhood memories and connecting something that's something I can work with, move with, brand, market. And it's it's infinite <laughs> because I've been here on this planet a long, you know, 52. So I've been here a while and I've got 52 years of of commercials and advertisements and slogans and music and all these references that I can just point to and say, oh man, you know, I grew up with this. So now I'm going to rechange it, remarket it, repurpose it for my purpose. Mm. So I kind of came into this different and was raised different. So the way that I'm going to end this is going to be different as well. And the way that I go about this is going to be different because I just come on a different wavelength where I, was almost taught that the same people I was in school with every day that were nice to me were the same ones that enslaved me. <laughs> like, whoa, talk about that. Like, uh, you know, that's just different. And that's every day. And then it got worse when, you know, we got to the, the more wealthier ones. And then you're like, okay, I can see how this slavery <laughs> gave you the advantage to do this. And now you fully take advantage of that, yeah. you know, and particular ways and that just builds you into an angry person at first which i was and then i just became someone that was like you know i gotta work with this emotion rather than against it mm. damn man use it as fuel use it as fuel yeah, that's good shit you just gave us right there yeah man you gotta you know we're all we all have this you know you'll hear that you know jay-z said it Pockets, I'm sure, you know, like we all have the potential to be the greatest there ever was. We just have to figure out where do we want our greatness to go and what do we need to do to apply it and who's going to be with us on that journey. Yeah. Do you have anything for him, Ron? No. Oh, I do have a question. I do have one question. I'm sorry. What do you consider a good life? I'm telling you, I'm living a very good life right now. I don't have that much money, right? And turn down all kinds of opportunities and whatnot, but I have my peace of mind. I'm doing what I can to help my family as much as possible every day. But a good life to me would be living your purpose as much as possible that doesn't involve money. I mean, that sounds uh. weird, but doesn't involve living your purpose that doesn't involve money. If I had to do this just for the money, I wouldn't do it. You know, I do this because I want to. Yeah. Right. But that's a good life when you're doing what you want to. And there's no pressures to make a certain amount of money. There's no pressures to take care of this family or these families or whatever. And then you got a peace of mind of what you're doing every day, whether it's taking care of your family or serving your community or whatever. But you've got your own purpose and you're serving others and you're taking care of yourself. And then, you know, random individuals that come by or whatever, you've got a good word for them or good good energy for them. That's a good life, dude. Yeah. It's a good life. Yeah, you're definitely putting a lot of good out into the world every day. That's all I want. <laughs> That's it. I saw a That's picture it. online a couple not that long time ago. It was this guy. Um, and in the picture, it might have been Valentine's Day. He has a uh, little Caesar's pizza in his hand, a, a box of little Caesars and uh, like, you know, some like, I don't even know they were roses, but they were like, you could see they were already welting, you know, like they were going to die. 
And the person go, and he was like, oh man, look at that guy. He's taking whatever situation he has and making the best out of it for whoever he's taking those flowers and that pizza to. That's right. Because, you know, they say, like you said, make the best with whatever financially you can. Because I know some people that don't have that much money and they're happier than people with a lot of money. Dude, when you have a lot of money, it's, it's especially as a black person, as a black person with a lot of money, you, it's, it's, you're almost embarrassed to talk about it. Because what are you doing with it? Right? Maybe you got a better house, better car, whatever. But you see these guys with all this money and they do, oh, I bought so-and-so's groceries. Great. You know, what are you doing tomorrow? Right? But when you've got money, there's such pressure on you, dude. There's such pressure. You got to drive a certain way. You got to live a certain place. You got to, it's, it's a lot of pressure. A lot of pressure. Especially if you got it. Like, if you got it let's say by working and people have seen that and oh, 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 they see all this, they see all this, they see all this. They're like, you know, well, I want to, I want to work this. I want to do this. I want to do that. Or you should do this or you should do that. Dude. I used to, I used to get so many people asking me to sponsor this, do this, sponsor me, do this, do this, do this, do this, you know, and I did what I could. Right. But when you got money, dude, they, they look at you like you could do it. Man. What the fuck? What's wrong with you? Mm. There's something wrong with you because you're not willing to spend it on them or you're not willing to cure cancer, whatever the case is. But and some of that should happen. You should be going philanthropy as much as possible, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's with your time or your money or a combination of both. But it's a lot of pressure with people that have money, dude. A lot of it. And if you've never had it before and you don't know how to manage it and this is your first time, yeah, dude, you're going to fall into depression real quick. I saw this. Meek Mill said one time, he said, uh, somebody was like, man, you changed when you got money. He's like, no, I didn't. You changed because when I didn't have money, you weren't asking me for money. And it's like, there's, there's always some people, man, they, they want to take and take and take. It's like that biggie, more money, more problems, man. It's like, there's, you gotta worry about security. I remember even Tupac said, like, he's like, I can't even live with my people because they're going to want to take from me. And then I got to go to a, a white neighborhood and then I feel isolated there. I so. was, I'll tell you, I was in Midtown. I stayed in Midtown pretty much most of 2021, a um, little bit of 2022. And it got to the point where, you know, I don't want to say people were following me. I know dumb shit, but it, it just felt like the energy, like the energy mm-hmm. was on me as soon as I showed up or went outside or whatever. And I'm already a different individual, but you know, put some dollar signs on me and you, you see me pull up in this and I'm like, I got this and that, then, you know, things change, man. But especially during COVID and, and lockdowns and pandemics and stuff like that, man, people are looking at the haves and have nots for real. And the funny thing about what you said in terms of Pac is like, I'm, I'm sort of there. Like, I'm like, I'm not even sure where I want to live anymore mm-hmm. because dude, I, I, lived in Harlem 25 years and I'll tell you when that Puma thing came out and people knew that was me it was different on the street you know not not negative it was just different like they're looking at you and you're looking at them look at you you know what I mean it's like you're not sure what's going to happen next you know what I mean and you gotta you know in terms of just New York City as a whole you always gotta be on your ones and twos like for sure because anything could happen at any point but 
it's interesting that we can't live, let's say, as millionaires in our own neighborhood. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, because they're looking to hands out, hands out, give me this, give me that, do this, do that, do this, do that. You know, it's tough, but, you know, hopefully we'll overcome that. Well, I look forward to continuing to watch your journey, man. And like I said, your, your posts every day, I look forward to those. And like I said, I can't, infinite. I can't talk. I can't say this enough that uh, I appreciate your time today. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Appreciate it, brother. Anytime. All right. Let's do it again, man. If, if you would allow it, you know, <laughs> of course. Yeah. It's been fun, man. Time flies by when you have a good conversation with yeah, people. Yeah, for sure. Dude. Hell yeah. Especially when it's informative and ain't some dumb shit. <laughs> Advertising this shit. Oh, oh, so like sometimes when I'll, I'll send people the what I sent you, you know, like to my the bottom of the podcast and stuff. Like, oh yeah, that sounds cool. Um well, send me the list of questions you're going to ask me. I'm like, "Oh, we're not I don't nah. I don't I, I don't have questions. I mean, we're just going to talk about you and your story and your life." And how you built your whatever it is, or you know whatever, like it's just normal conversation, like we'd be ripping some beers at the bar or something, and, right? And they <laughs> like, I love, yeah, I exactly. Love and you know, and they're, they're, and they're yeah, and they're kind of like they're kind of like, oh, okay, I'll get back to you. I'm like, nah, I know you're not. In my head, I'm just thinking, I know you're not. Right. Okay, thanks, you right. know. But yeah, I really appreciate you hitting me back up on the DM, man. Appreciate it, brother. Definitely. Well, enjoy your. Um, your holiday and the rest of the week, man. The yeah, weekend. Man. Thank you, man. You too as well. Thanks, bro. Get to that new restaurant. Tell me all about it someday. <laughs> yeah, I will. <laughs> Keep the streets of Memphis safe. Uh, yeah. Man, we, we, we need it. Yeah, we need it bad. Are you the uh, the type that shoot the guns at uh at the uh New Year's Eve? <laughs> oh yeah, we we got we got it. We, we're full of uh, that's our whole city. Uh, you know, they always go fireworks or gunshots. And I'm just like, it's gunshots. Fuck it. Do you usually leave the fireworks at home? Let's bring your gun. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Well, I appreciate it, Sen. Thanks, yeah, bro. Later, man. Yeah, man. All right. All right. We'll talk to you later. Bye. Yeah, man. Take care. All right. Bye. Recording.